What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry. But unlike always, I have not been outside of my neighborhood since the last time we spoke. But I've been going for walks outside, and my landscaping has never looked more beautiful. And altogether, social distancing is treating me pretty well, I have to say. I hope the rest of you guys are doing well and finding good ways to stay positive. I'll tell you one thing. Whenever I am feeling down in the dumps about my COVID situation, it helps me to focus on how good I've got it. And nothing helps me do that better than thinking about a person who's got it worse. And there are a few of us listening right now who have as much reason to be bummed out about the coronavirus as our guest today, Miss Lindsay Johnson. You see, she's supposed to be on her honeymoon right now, but on account of the fact that the whole world got dosed with coronavirus, she's stuck at home listening to this podcast just like the rest of you motherfuckers. No kidding, she was the second to last person that I hung out with before all that kind of shit became illegal. Oh, I almost forgot to mention, I decided to release this week's podcast as a one-part episode, playing off a little feedback, and it seems like as good a time to experiment as ever, so I'm excited to share our conversation with you, and I won't make you wait any longer. Here's our friend, Miss Lindsay Johnson. So now everything else you say pretty much will be available to be used in the podcast. Public knowledge. Could be. Open records. You're Lindsay Smith. Johnson. Lindsay Johnson. Oh, oh shit. Man. Shit. We both forgot that I'm married. That's okay. Here, pull it a little closer. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That perfect. Is that good? Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Here we go. Uh, Lindsay Johnson. Now, this is a question I have for you, Lindsay. Because okay. you used to always tell me, you'd say, <laughs> I want to marry a man with an interesting last name. I, I still tell people that at work. I'm like, I was dedicated to a fun last name. Yeah. I didn't get it. Because you were Lindsay Smith mm-hmm. for the majority of your existence. Yeah, 32 years. And now you're Lindsay Johnson. I think, you know, probably an upgrade, though. You went from first most common to what, like third? I think it's like third or fourth. Nice. Um, so... That was good. People yeah. still get it kind of weird, but if you could have picked, oh no, a last name. Okay, I think I would have went something German or Polish, which is back in my roots. My mom's maiden name is Piotrowski. Ooh, right. So that would have been something. What's that? Is that Russian? Uh, it's it's Polish. Polish. Something from Poland. Piotrowski. Yeah, people here just say Petrowski. Petrowski, but it's still Petrotsky yeah is an interesting name so I feel like that would have been it. but Johnson's okay because it's still just easy people know how to spell it actually there's a lot with that yeah yeah I, as a teacher I would sometimes encounter names that were difficult um, and you wanted to be thoughtful about you know the experience of this individual but and so I misspelled some names pretty regularly but yeah. That's true. Um, I wasn't talking about last names. Oh, you know, when I was in middle school, the person behind me in, in Alphabet, his uh, his last name was Smythe. Oh, yeah. Was and it Mike? It was Mike Smythe. Oh, my God. I love Mike Smythe. So, a substitute teacher called me Lindsay Smythe. They mispronounced Smith. Right. And I was... It's terrible. Also, at my job, we have to ask people their names. Or, like, when people are like, my kid disappeared. And, like, what's their name? And you hear it like, um, his name's Royal... And I'm like, why? Why'd you name your kid Royal? I mean, you get you, there's name. still the, um, the heaven backwards is still a popular one. Yeah. Neva, Neva. Yeah. 
I had some um, I had some kids with that name. So put, put this it. into context for people. You are a what what would your actual title? Nine one one dispatch operator? Would that be what well, you would be called? Yeah, technically um I'm a telecommunications specialist. Okay. What um, That sounds fancy sounds, as shit. So my ID says. Um I don't want to give the misperception that I'm a 911 dispatcher because our agency, Louisville is so big now, mm-hmm. once we did the city-county merger, mm-hmm. that one person can no longer take calls and dispatch police. Right. I would imagine well, you wouldn't be able yeah. to do that. So I sit on the side of the room and we only take calls. Right. And then the other side of the room is the true dispatchers. They only tell the police where to go. Yeah. That seems to me like the less interesting side of the job the calls have yeah. to be the calls are wow is it crazy i mean <laughs> yeah. I, i'm sure there's not a lot you can't talk about right right yeah i think as long as i don't say names um you know i can give I can give synopsises of of calls um but yeah i mean you hear you take what you've learned in like i was hired from retail mm-hmm. and when i got trained there was 14 of us in my, my training class. 12 of them had a medical background, mm-hmm. fire department background, military background. Two of us are like, hey, <laughs> I worked 13 years at Starbucks. <laughs> They're like, Two of you did? No, like I did, but he he was a um, vending driver. For, he filled vending machines. Mm. And they're, So like the whole time we were in training, I'm looking around, I'm like, why did they hire me? <laughs> These people know like where all the fire stations are. They know medical terminology. I don't. But you get upstairs, you actually get into it. It's so much more customer service. Everything mm-hmm. else is fed to you. They give you a list of all the questions you have to ask. Medically, you tell you just click a button and say yes or no. But like being able to deal with the public, mm-hmm. especially in their time of crisis, which a lot of times I would not think is crisis or you would you know some people's crises are not mm-hmm. you know um my neighbor cut my tree yeah we would not look at that as but these people are super upset about it so they feel like a crime has been committed against yeah. them so looking back i'm like this is why they hired me because i'm feel like i do pretty good at it because i just i have empathy and understanding mm-hmm. and patience and some of those people are in class with like they're already gone because they just couldn't do it they didn't have that experience yeah. in in customer service. Yeah, they didn't deal with people. A that's lot. a great. That's you know that's a great segue because I really feel like we should give the people listening some background on our relationship and just how who you are as a person. Sure. So you graduated from PRP, right? I did. A lot of people who are listening to this have also graduated from PRP, mm-hmm. but you graduated in two thousand four. Two thousand four. I was the last year of Charlie Miller. Okay, so I feel like you may have graduated. The year before I started at PRP. Okay, I think no, you were a freshman my senior year because you're in my senior yearbook. Oh, really? I found you. You have your little puka shell necklace and my freshman year. I think so. Oh gosh, I have the yearbook. So wait a second, you didn't have Principal Johnson. I did for three years. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. I okay. had one year of Miller. Yeah. Then three years of Johnson. Okay. Well, then I'm I'm dumb. I, I thought okay. you were saying. You you oh, graduated sorry, no. the last year that Miller was there. No, but no, sorry, not, sorry. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, for, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. the first year I was there was his last year. Okay, I misunderstood. And 
Okay, so yeah, then we definitely probably, at least freshman year. What year did you graduate? 2007. Yeah. So, I didn't know you, but you were in my yearbook because I looked us all up. Okay, you're doing math that I don't feel like doing in my head right now. You know what the sad part was? I was a math teacher. You were. (laughs) I'm good at it. (laughs) When you have to be. When I need to be. So, that's really cool. So, you graduated in 2004. Yeah. You still feel like you're part of that community? Of PRP's community? Yeah. No. Really, no? I mean, I wasn't. The only thing I I did there that I was in the community with was marching band. Oh, that's cool. I was a marching band girl. Nice. So I still feel community around like my friends from marching band, but I don't, I never stayed in contact with the marching band. I went back a year or two after I graduated and helped uh, direct them and stuff, Mm. but I've fallen away. And now I think it's like two directors past the director I had and. I don't keep up with it, but that's okay. You're still a part of it, even though you don't know. Yeah. So maybe somewhere there's my name on a trophy. Or I bet something. you there is. I bet you there is. That's what Bryce. Be. Bryce also was involved with their marching band. I think for a little while. Wasn't I he? I think so. Um, he would have been after I was gone, but I do know that he played. His sister plays drums. Yeah. I think he also dabbled in it. Shout out to Bryce Mansfield. Bryce Mansfield. So for you, high school wasn't like a super like meaningful or memorable time like what was your high school experience like um it was meaningful with some of my peers the ones i ended up being really long-term friends with the relationships you made but like my attachment to like the high school doesn't really exist and i think part of it is well first i was in an advanced program yeah me and too. and i feel like and i'm sure you all realize they segregated us oh yeah for sure big time for everyone else and i guess it was for our own good they thought so, like, some people say things, and I'm like, I don't know any of that because they kept us on the second floor yeah. or whatever floor, and we didn't get to experience that. Like, you know, I had, you had to take, like, health. Mm-hmm. I remember health class just being, like, this whole new world to me because all of a sudden, like, the work is not hard. Yeah. It's barely required. I don't know. I'm not, I'm it's attached hard. more with the people, I guess, I experienced it with. Mm-hmm. And, like, we still look back and, like, um, talk about our memories and experiences but you also got to think that a lot of our experiences in marching band, we were also kind of segregated. We had our own building. Yeah. So wow. we were in the marching yeah, we were in the band do. building. Yeah, they still do that. Yeah, so you're right. So a lot of my memories happened in this building that no one else ever saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, or on weekend trips, not at PRP. That's kind of cool. It didn't occur to me really how segregated the band is yeah. there, but it is. And, and I've noticed, like, even now making the podcast, like, seeing people who... I have like 66 friends in common with on Facebook. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. And I think it was just because in high school, I wasn't very good at making friends. So I didn't often make friends outside of generally the people who were very close and convenient for me. Right. Because I just was scared to try. So I didn't meet a lot of people who were outside of advanced classes. So these people were right around me and I didn't meet them. Yeah, because it was like the same 28 people or however, basically in every single class. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of co-mingling. Uh, I mean, even teacher-wise, I liked a lot of my teachers. Yeah. But not enough where I ever, like, went back or hung out with them when we graduated. You know, I went back there and taught there for two years as a long-term sub. And uh, I got got to build some pretty positive relationships with some of our old teachers. They're good people. I think that would be, like, going back now as an adult and talking to them, I think it would just put a whole new perspective on it. Because they weren't, some of them were not much older than us. But because they're your teacher, mm-hmm. you feel like they're almost untouchable or unrelatable. 
It's true. But now I think, man, they were probably like my age when they were teaching. Yeah. So I totally get why they were the way they were. Yeah. And some of them, some of our teachers from PRP were old. Those were probably my favorite ones. <laughs> like Mr. Yeah. Swan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Swan. McHugh. Do you have I McHugh? Mr. McHugh? I have Mr. McHugh. Man, Phyllis McHugh. Um, Mr. Adams. Did, was he still there when you got up there? He or? was there. Uh, he got into <laughs> a lot, yeah. some trouble. He did. Uh, I remember that. But that was after I left. Yeah, so. me too. Me too. But he was, we had him for advanced physics one nice. and two, I, I think. had Tracy Issing for physics. Oh, yeah. And Issing that for stuff. woman is wonderful. And I got to consider her a colleague for a little bit of time too. That was a really cool experience for me just in general. Uh, Do they still have her shoved back in the uh, tech building? Oh no, she's at, uh, she moved forward. She's at a different school now. And uh, she was working in an administration for a little while, but now I think she's back in the classroom. I really liked her. She was one of the ones that made you, she just had that way of being able to like connect, not only teach us and make it interesting, but also make you feel like you could, tell her anything approachable and she was really nice she was just a very sweet lady so after high school you you had a very similar college experience as a lot of people who have been on the show which was uh how, what's it what's it complicated yeah yeah you want to describe Where, like like what college yeah. looked like for you well, i think um i don't know if they still do it i assume they do but you know you're you're pressured so early on to pick yeah I mean, middle school, they were, we were taking personality tests. We're figuring out the, you know, they're trying to tell you what kind of job you should have. I think at, at PRP, we had this thing we had to do, and they told me I should be like an airline pilot. And wow. they tell you these things you should do. And and then they start applying to colleges. So, I don't know, everybody, I, I used to want to be a math teacher. For a long time, I thought I wanted to be a math teacher. And then I got into the music, and I really liked music. And I was like, I want to be a band, I want to be a band director. Sounds great. No one told me otherwise. So I went straight out of high school to college, like they expect you to do. I went to Murray State. And I loved Murray State. Yeah. For those who have never been, it's a beautiful college in a small town. Um, It's like one Walmart. Nothing's open 24 hours. But everyone lives on campus for the most part. You walk everywhere. Um, I loved it. And I did music education. That's cool. Uh, playing flute for the, I didn't say that earlier. Um, but like the first year, the first semester, they're like, you got to take 19 hours. That's a lot. This is just music education. You take, this is what you got to do. And like our classes are different. We're like taking a private lesson is a one hour course. Mm-hmm. You go once a week for an hour or two, but then you had to be in an ensemble and that was the course, but it was only a two hour course. And then you had to be in the concert band and that was it. So, you go through all this, so every day you're playing, which is great because I love it. But then they're also telling you, oh, and every night you need to practice for two hours. Mm-hmm. And you had to walk to the practice rooms. Um, you have to learn piano. You learn a lot of other things. And I really enjoyed what I was learning, but it just got to the point where I was starting to hate what I loved. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really fun anymore because I'm getting graded on it. Yeah. And I think after about a year and a half, and I miss my family. Um, I'm very family oriented. Yeah. Your story sounds a lot like a few people's that have been on the podcast. Like I heard bits of TJ in there talking about the test that we had to take. Yeah. And I heard bits of Casey because he went to Murray and oh. he also talked about feeling homesick while he was yeah. there. Well, it's just such a different city yeah. than Louisville. And a lot. And the other thing is there, a lot of those students are from that area. So for them, they all knew each other. They'd went to school together. 
you're you're the outsider now. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying and it's it's in the like the Bible Belt. Yeah. So there was a <laughs> a whole lot of Bible stuff going on, yeah. and it, it was just it was different. It wasn't as progressive as Louisville. Um, so I came home, and I said, "Why not financial something? Fin- uh, accounting or something?" Right. So I went to. Thank you, Avell. Maybe I went to JCC for a little bit, finished some of my stuff, then went to UofL and said accounting. U of L for me, and it's really petty, but I didn't like going mostly because of the parking and having <laughs> to Yeah, the parking is inconvenient. Just the whole the whole how long it took me to get to a class, how long it took you to get home from a class. Yeah. If it's raining, yeah. you had to wait longer for the bus. Being a commuter to U of L was yeah. hard. I was also a commuter there. What was your experience like at JCC? Because that's super positive experiences. See, I there. loved JCC. I had great experiences there too. I went to the Southwest campus. Yeah, me too. For the majority, loved it. I mean, open parking. Yeah. The teachers, I feel like, cared more. Oh yeah, they were great, weren't yeah, they? Weren't the they classes great? were smaller. Who did you have? Did you have? I remember sprinkles. I didn't Dr. Have sprinkles. sprinkles. She was my biology say, teacher. Oh, I did I have sprinkles. Something. She was wow. really fun. She was wonderful. She used to talk about her hydrangeas, I think. Yeah, or something. Yeah, like One, she was a botanist, I think. <clears throat> I think I think she was. She said she had a plant and I know that this is real, but I can't remember what they're called yet and I don't have my Google Home set up, so I can't ask Google yet. But if you put base in the soil, they turn blue. Oh. And if you put an at made the soil more acidic, they turned like red. And she would talk about how she would have blue and red flowers all over the place. She would, she would, she, she did, I don't know if you experienced this, but she liked to get off on anecdotes and just right. tell stories. Yeah. Which is good. Cause then you just listen, <laughs> yeah. just like, well, tell me more about that. Yeah. Yes. I liked her and I took, um, I think like sociology there. Did you take anthropology with Jane Peters? No. Oh man, you missed out. Cause she was, was wonderful. She, good? she was awesome. She would tell great stories. She did her own like ethnography she sewed wonderful videos. And when we would watch videos, she would knit in the round. <laughs> just sit up at the front and knit in the round. And she click, 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 click. She was really good at it. And she had all these pictures of cats. She was just really eccentric. But she was passionate. And she was a really good teacher. And it was interesting to learn from her. Yeah. yeah. See, I liked, I liked that. I did take, I had to take, at some point, I think I went to JCTC twice. Um, I was supposed to take anatomy and physiology. And for that, you had to, if you weren't like in line the morning of sign up, there were, there was no openings at Southwest. They only had like one class. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to go downtown and that I really did. The, it just wasn't, it wasn't exciting to me. Like here are 20 bones laying on this table, walk to each one and tell me what kind of bone it is. And that class was kind of um, not my favorite. And I'm pretty sure I just withdrew and gave it up, but um and going downtown and their parking was the same way. Like you couldn't ever get in the main lot. So you had to park under the overpass next to the Taco Bell on Broadway, mm-hmm. which is not the most <laughs> like prominent place you want to be mm-hmm. late in the evenings. So I did that. And then try to think if I went, so I went to Murray, then L. No, Murray, JCC, L. I think I went back to JCTC for a while. At that point, I thought that I would be an ultrasound technician. Man, you just had all kinds of different dreams. <laughs> I had all these ambitions. An ultrasound technician, it wasn't going badly. Is There's just these prereqs you got to take. So I took like medical terminology. And mm-hmm. then you have to take, you have to be a, an LPN or CNA, whatever they call. You have to pick and take it. And it just got to the point, I think, where I actually 
fi- uh, financial aid, the the federal government said we will not <laughs> give you more money. Like I, there's apparently you can only take so many hours mm-hmm. on the government's money. That's hilarious. So I had taken. 120 hours they just nothing fit into this mold (laughs) and i would have went to college the rest of my life yeah i love learning yeah um so i was kind of the point where it was like well i can't get a loan i can't pay for college so i kind of just stopped going if you could keep going what thing what types of things would you study like now yeah um Kind of going along with what I do have, um, I like the idea of like forensics. Yeah. Uh, maybe like lab-based forensics. That's pretty cool. Something like that. Um, My thing is the social sciences. I love anthropology, sociology, and psychology. I'm specifically really kind of getting into psychology now because I'm realizing that like, huh, my brain is kind of not in great shape. <laughs> I should probably work on <laughs> I should on learn that. about what's going on up <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> I did take a class um, for my degree this time for, um, it was called Abnormal Psychology. Mm-hmm. And I do, it was really super interesting. I talked a lot about um, childhood development, what causes the abnormal psychology. So I liked Intro to Psychology. I think I took that at some point. So then you decided you were going to go to ASU through U of L? Through Starbucks. Through Starbucks, yeah. Yeah. So. And so. That must have sucked because if you had all those hours, they only let you transfer in 60, right? Right. I, I got to transfer in 60 hours that counted. I, I mean, who's to say any of the other ones? Because a lot of those classes, uh, you got to remember, are like uh, flute lessons. Yeah. Okay. Like, it doesn't go yeah. with any other degree besides music education. So, That's like, true. even marching band was like a college credit. You had a shit ton of like that, humanities credits. Yeah. Keyboarding. Yeah. You know, oral skills, uh, fun, you know, just things. Did that you just say oral skills? Oral. Oral. What's A-U-R-A-L, that? A-U-R-A-L. Oral. Uh, that was a class um, for music education where you literally have to listen to like snippets of uh, instrumental music and then you have to transpose it correctly. Wow. Onto staff paper. Man, that's so cool. I, yeah. I, I wish I had that skill. Or you have to like, or they will be, they'll be behind a screen and the professor like yeah. in, your, in your tests. They will ding on a, on a key. Yeah. And you have to say, that's a that's D sharp. <laughs> like you have to, yeah, you have to be able to. You're trying to memorize you have the to sounds, me- yeah, yeah, to give you, which like I, I perfect can't. Perfect pitch, isn't that I what it's called? Yeah, like Elena has perfect pitch. Yeah. Or pretty close to it. I do not. Yeah. I, if I have to sing, it's flat. Yeah. And in that class, they would also do that. They'd be like, okay, I'm going to give you this music and you're going to sing it. And then hold the last note, and we're going to compare it to the piano. Yeah. And it has to match. And I think I got like a D. Like I barely, <laughs> it was. Uh, I got my fair share of Ds for sure. I hated that class. But yeah, so after all that, and after a, a, a lull, um, I went to Arizona State University through Starbucks. Yeah, I did that whole thing, and that was you cool did. too. I had a similar experience. I don't think I had quite As many. an entire bachelor's <laughs> degree. But I mean, I only transferred sixty of probably like eighty-eight hours right. that I had accumulated. Uh, it was, but, you know, it was whatever. I, I really enjoyed my experience today as you. Did you? Yeah, I really. You know, compared to, I had done online courses at U of L. I had done online courses at JCTC. I may have even done some at Murray, even though I lived on campus. <laughs> and because I, anything to avoid being in a group of my peers, 
where there's a chance <laughs> they're going to grade me on their response. Mm-hmm. I hate group work. Yeah. I thought that was pointless. We were young and even more pointless in high, in college. But yeah, I enjoyed theirs a lot. Um, I will say I'd use ratemyprofessor.com to try to figure out when I was signing up, which I, class I thought would be smart, easiest or least involved. Cause like you had the ones that were like every week you have to go on your, the forums, what were they called? The, the blackboard. And mm-hmm. You have to respond to at least three people with 500 words. I took tons of classes like that. My favorite part of was you, you might have to write an initial post and that's cool yeah. about something you read. But then you had to go back and you had to write, write reposts, write responses about something that other per- people rent, wrote. Uh-huh. I'm having a hard time talking. And sometimes you'd get lucky and you'd be in classes with people who had read the material and were on top of things and w- would have given a decent response that was meaningful. And then oftentimes uh, you would also have people who had not done that. Right. And who had written very little and who had made erroneous claims um, or just who didn't defend their position very strongly. And so what I actually started to do and what I got really good at was um, something that I learned through Starbucks, which is I'd come in with a compliment. I'd say, like, I really appreciate this, but this is totally wrong. But but hey, thanks for thinking about it. Really great right. job. Coming did the in sandwich on that. technique. Yeah, the, yeah. the positive, uh, negative positive that we were taught. Yeah, and then usually I could get about 500 words out of that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I did that sometimes, too, because it was so much easier critique them because you, you can't go on a post and just be like i think what you did was great and i really enjoyed the thing you said about the one thing because you were absolutely correct like right. it's hard to expand on something that you agree with and that's not really a dialogue nobody's learning yeah. from that I, I feel like the whole point of discussion forums in theory is to generate meaningful discussion yeah and have people learn from the things that they're saying or reading from each other right yeah, they want different viewpoints. Right. So if everybody just goes on the same person and is like, oh, that was so great what you just said. I agree with you. Then it just made it kind of pointless. So what did you end up getting your degree in from Arizona State University? Criminal justice. Nice. So, yeah, okay. So that makes the connection to, to my what job. you do now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was, um, well, you know, when you get into the, the ASU, you know, through Starbucks, um, there were a lot of programs to choose from. I think when I got into it there was like 40 there's yeah, probably really more did. now they, they, keep, they expanded it every year um which is great because some 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 jobs say we'll pay for your college but it has to have something to do with our job right and then it's hard because you know but starbucks was very good about you know you want to do spanish here you go you want to do they had like homeopathic medicine was one of the options right but anyways i chose criminal justice i looked at the map the, the course maps and i was like i will not finish this degree unless I see like classes I'm going to be interested in and criminal justice had these classes that just to me stood out. I mean, you have um, white collar crime, uh, cyber crime, sex crimes, abnormal psychology. And you always loved uh, like, SVU. Oh yeah. SVU. <laughs> SVU was, I've watched the first couple of seasons. You know, I don't watch it anymore. Now it's more investigation discovery. Okay. Okay. Uh, channel. Pretty much anything on that watch, channel. Did you watch Criminal Minds? I did not. Oh, girl, you got to get into some I of that. that. I watched most of the documentaries. People, you know, if something comes up, you know, I watched Making a Murderer. That was a good one. Did you watch Don't Fuck With Cats? That yes. Re- man, that was just, a good one, wasn't I it? I just watched that a couple weeks ago. Uh, I tried to get into those. But um, 
so yeah, I got the degree and that it just, it was something I really enjoyed. And that's why, you know, I got it and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Still had no clue, but I got something. I had, I had this thing. I got a degree. You got it now. Yeah. That was, and then I was like, oh no, now I have to, I'm expected to use it. Yeah. Cause I can't just stay at Starbucks forever. Well, no, um, you well, could've. I could've. I just, I didn't want to, but, uh, well, they were to the point where they wouldn't really pay me more unless I got promoted. Mm-hmm. And they didn't seem like they really wanted to promote me. So uh, I had to find a job. And um, it really just came down to looking at the human resource page through Louisville, just metro government. I was like, you know, something has to stick out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a police officer. Mm-mm. They don't get paid enough. Uh, they're put through a lot. And as a new police officer, you're immediately stuck in the worst part of town. Mm-hmm. Um at least I think you are. I just wouldn't want to be a police officer. There's lots of reasons. It's scary. I'd be scared. I think that's the main reason for me. Like people were like, "Oh, don't, couldn't you be a detective?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, that that always sounds fun, but you have to spend so many years on the street first. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I was looking for anything that had to do with criminal justice, but not actually on the streets. And for some reason, one day, you know, there was some others that came up before I graduated. Um, they have a real-time crime center, which is super cool. Um, they just watch cameras that are all over downtown Louisville. All over Louisville, really, in, like, high crime areas. I've seen those. I've seen those. Yeah. That's weird, man. Yeah, and they there's someone there to 24-7 watching that camera. And if they see something, they can call us, and then we send officers out. Or um, when people do call in or like, hey, someone's jumping off. The, they look like they're going to jump off the bridge. Oh, that's really. I mean, they have cameras on all the bridges. Yeah. So they can look and be like, yeah, there is How someone leaning over. How does that happen? Um, well, around Thanksgiving, it peaks. Oh, holidays. holidays. Goodness gracious. I mean, probably this, a couple this times job, a week. This job, Lindsay. I, I, I'm um, really excited to hear about this job. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like a lot of times they don't, they're not really going to jump. Someone just drives past and sees someone standing there and assumes they're going to jump. But I want but, to talk about your job, but first yeah, I want to ask you how you feel about, how do you feel about that, like, betrayal of privacy? Like, oh, the do you cameras? feel like it's worth it? Like, that they can, like, the city can just watch public areas and just see what everybody's doing at all times? I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say, I'm fine yeah. with it. As long as it's public? It's public. I mean, it's a yeah. street. Like, if you... I can, I can appreciate that point of view. If you're, because, you know, the things that people don't, like, people want to get mad about things like that. But then they also want to have a phone and they accept every single app and, you know, Amazon, Facebook is listening to to it. You know, there's, there's a reason why all your ads on Facebook happen to be all the things you're talking about. Yeah, you're right. You're nailing it. Everyone gets, we all get the Alexis, Alexa. (laughs) I watch too much Shit's Creek. (laughs) It activates it. Anyways. um, Yeah. And then, you know, they, they have those in their home and they want to expect privacy, but then oh, they shouldn't have a camera on the corner of a high crime area. Yeah, I guess I agree with you. I'm not sure, it, but it is an interesting little avenue of thought. Yeah, I mean, it would be different if... And they, they have and a person not, watching not, that all the time. Yeah. Well, they're watching, they're in a room that has like 36 TV screens. Wow. And they're all live feeds. So they're not staring at one camera 24-7, but right. they have the ability... They might have a little joystick so they can move the cameras. Mm. It, it's usually used. I mean, if there's a shooting, they can rewind it in that area and get license plates. Oh, wow. Get a detail. Yeah. They can zoom in and out. That's awesome. Like, it's for the public's benefit. Let me ask you this. I actually, you know what? I, I think I agree with you. I'm just, it's just a curious thing that popped in my head. Mm. Do they also have speakers that can, like, detect where gunshots take place? 
Is that we true? do? That's pretty cool well, too. Well, and that's a program. It was called Shot Spotter. Okay. And it was we were one of the I don't know how many cities. I don't want to say something that can't be backed up because I'm not for sure. But it was it had a couple cities going for it, and we were one of the cities. And whenever it yeah it goes off a uh, sonar so no I, whatever sound, um, and it can tell you pretty close accurate location of where it happened, how many rounds, mm. um, and it would it actually would instantly shoot up to us to dispatch officers. That's pretty cool as a priority zero, which means like. If you're not busy, you're there. Yeah. You're not already on something that's super important. You will like if you're doing a car accident, you're just gonna leave and go see what happened. Yeah. But they dismantled it. We for some reason, I don't know if it was like a Louisville contract thing. Hmm. Um But even though it's mostly dismantled, we still get triggers from it. Hmm. It's like they I don't know if they're still experimenting or if they're just slowly taking it apart. But we do get it some and then there is a thing where like it it does really help but for the most part whenever i see that pop up that there's a shot spotter usually pretty soon after people will call in just the yeah. community in general will be like i just heard three rounds outside mm-hmm. and we're able to ask them things like did you see anyone suspicious did you see a vehicle that was suspicious that, yeah that's so meaningful. we do gain more because the shot spotter doesn't have a camera right um, it just kind of lets you know what area it happened it just lets you know there's there's gunshots in this area of town, a couple times a year, yeah. I hear them. Well, and then like Shot Spotter, apparently, um, I think it was this year and last year, it can't differentiate between fireworks mm. and guns. So on 4th of July, it just goes crazy. They just turn it up. Like, they just kind of ignore <laughs> it because there was like 148 Shot Spotters. That's hilarious. For like the f- hour or something. That's hilarious. You know, and there's a guy who lives in, my, in the neighborhood near me who's got like an old beat up Monte Carlo, I think, that backfires like a million times. And it sounds like gunshots. It probably sounds like gunshots. Yeah. Well, people to, and I get it. It's a scary sound, but any loud bang like that, people mm-hmm. always just assume it's a gunshot. Is a gunshot, or that well, the and then it's a malicious gunshot, because some I mean people do hunt further out in the county because we cover mm-hmm. the Hope Jefferson County. True. So sometimes you know, see people call in and be like, I've been hearing shots all day long behind my house, and I'm looking at their map, and I'm like. There's a really big wooded area behind you, and they're like, "Yeah, I know." And I'm like, "Maybe someone's hunting." Yeah, and you know, like, just the, or like one person, I guess, like a paintball arena. They didn't like the noise coming from it. Mm. They thought maybe they were shooting guns off. But I was like, I don't know if they do that because, yeah. Okay, so let, let me get you this. What percentage of calls are just total waste of time, and what percentages are legit, like? interesting things that you have to deal with so my personal belief from what i from me taking calls and what i've seen i feel like five to ten percent i would i would call nine one one four. okay i would think is an emergency <laughs> okay um now also bear in mind we also answer the non-emergency number okay so when you call the five seven four twenty one eleven five seven four seventy one eleven we answer those if we don't have a nine one one call coming through. Right. <clears throat> so about twenty percent, twenty to thirty percent of my calls is non emergency, and it's people asking questions. That, Are you told that before you answer the phone call? Yes, that's cool. There's a um, there's a separate greeting. We have pre recorded greetings. Yeah. Um, and that one like answers scripted stuff. And it's like Metro Safe Operator Johnson. How can I help you? 
and then 911 is 911 um like operator johnson where is your emergency mm, so did they train you how to talk like that did they train you on that well they gave us those specific scripts that you want to get did, in there did they give us the voice you did yeah no that's just my 911 that's my customer service voice this is this is officer john um, or, uh Operator. And operator Johnson. Operator. Yeah, we're <laughs> operators. But everyone calls me officer. Really? <laughs> You're like, Operator Johnson? They're like, officer, I need you to get here now. I'm like, I'm just an operator. I'm a civilian like you. Um, mm. So so I'd say 60, 50 to 60% of our calls on 911, mm-hmm. I feel like are a complete and utter waste of my time. Really? That's a bummer. Now, statistically... The one thing I do know is that there's like, they call it the rule of 300 and they've found out that out of every 300 911 calls, usually one is a true life or death emergency. Wow. That's crazy. So, so you've had that. I've had some life or death, um, emergencies, you know, um, we're CPR trained. Um, that's cool. Sarah's always telling me I need to do that. She tells me all the time. Now that I have been trained and now that I've been on the receiving end of calls of people who have absolutely no clue and are extremely um i mean they're upset and they they just want to know how do i help this person what can i do and if people were trained i mean not even specifically certified but at least given an idea of like what's the best you can do before you even call us it would be helpful because you know we have to we walk them through it but even the basic stuff that I don't know if maybe it's common sense, maybe not, but a lot of people don't get like first thing first, get him on the floor, get him flat. Yeah. For CPR. A lot of people are like, I think he's breathing better if he's sitting up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, he down on the floor. We don't think he's breathing. Yeah. Or, you know, the fact that, um, I didn't obviously learn this till I got there, but like overdoses when they're, when it sounds like they're snoring, it's agonal breathing. And let's just do CPR because they're not getting enough oxygen. Yeah. And just things like that that um, I think should be taught to the general public. I think there should be more PSAs about what to do in emergency situations. Yeah, that makes sense. And I can appreciate that. And like what is kind of like when people, I know there's like bulletins now for PSAs about like, when do you call 911 for the emergency room and when do you just go to immediate care center? Right. It's kind of like that. Like when do you need to just call non-emergency and maybe ask us a question opposed to calling 911? Right. I wonder how much of that calling 911 is not necessarily like a genuine interpretation of the severity of the situation and just an extreme emotional overreaction to whatever is happening. And they feel like, if I'm this freaked out, I must need to call 911. And so they end up calling just because they are so elevated yeah, that they feel like it makes sense. I think so. Um, I mean, like the the and the big thing about nine one one, which was I guess it surprised me. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. People are weird. No one knows where they are. Yeah, I don't know where you are anywhere. Oh, no one knows where they are. Well, that when... too. No one. I I never knew that there was caller call takers in Louisville. Yeah, a lot of people who call me think that we're like a national. Yeah, call. They'll be like, I'm like, yeah. what's your location? Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> I'm like, I know that. Which what's the exact address? Um. Nobody, but, but nobody know, ever knows where they actually are located no, in the city. That's hilarious. Especially on the interstates. And I'm not, I don't always know what mile marker I'm at. Yeah. But I would be able to say I'm on 264 and or even say Waterson East. I'm almost to Bargetown Road. These people are like, 
I'm on the highway. I'm like, which highway? And they don't know which one. I don't know. That's crazy. Like, can man. you get on? And now that you know we're so far in technology, it's like, can you look at your phone and fig- use your GPS and tell me? And they're like, can't you GPS me? <laughs> and like, we have a capability of kind of seeing where you are, but it's not always right. And on the interstate, you can't always tell if you're on east or west. True. Yeah, you just see and a if spot. I send a, you know, if I send the police on the east side and you're on the west side, they can't pick their car up and put it on the other side. People are always like, does it matter? And I'm like, well, yeah, because if they, if you're on the other side, they have to go turn around, get off the exit, get back on the exit and get to you. Or even people's own house numbers. People don't know their own address. We had to tell people to go look at your mail. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Like, look at your license. What does your mail say? It, there, there does seem to be, and I don't know what it's from. Some people would maybe blame it on like just our dependence on on technology or maybe like our crappy education system. I don't know. But people seem to be less informed. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like a not knowing that you need to be informed. Like an entitlement as if other people should be informed for you. Like mm-hmm. I'm supposed to just know where you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or I'm supposed to know what your problem is before you even tell me. Yeah. Or people like to use us as a scare tactic. So I answer and I'm like, now I'm one, where's your emergency? And they're, they won't even talk to me. I just hear them yelling at someone else. Mm, I'm calling. I, I'm on the phone with the cops. They're gonna come arrest you. And I'm yeah. like, hello, hello, and they're like, yeah, you better walk out the door. And I'm like, hello, yeah. and they're like, it's okay, he's gone. <laughs> and then they hang up the phone. That's wild. I mean, like, how often does that happen? Pretty often. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, they won't talk to me, or I'll be like, hello, and they'll be like, oh, s- sorry, I had to talk to this other person, and I'm like. You just called nine one one. Don't you have an emergency? Yeah. Um. So, so if most of it is a, a little bit obnoxious, I can I, I imagine. Yeah, most that of that makes sense. And it's and like, I'm not surprised by that one bit. Yeah, I would say it's a lot of it's just like being a barista at Starbucks. Like you're just dealing with people who are over exaggerating situations, and you're trying to be empathetic. And understand, you can't, you know, you're trying to make them understand that this isn't as big of a deal as they maybe think it is and that we can help them. Um, I mean, the only good news is, is now when people yell and cuss at me, I mean, they could be having a life-threatening situation. <laughs> I mean, at Starbucks, they definitely were not having a life-altering <laughs> thing. But, you know, but when I do get the serious calls, it does make up, for me, the, what I get from helping people. And, and there are people who are sincerely happy that i am there and will tell me like thank you so much yeah. thank you thank you. you you were like um that that's why i do the job that's why i like it and it kind of makes up and a lot of times i have to remind myself of that if i get a whole lot of not super important calls yeah or you get a lot of disrespect uh, yeah there's some of that it seems to be true that a lot of these jobs that are obviously extremely necessary nurse teacher uh 911 telephone tele telecommunicators telecommunication experts they're thankless and they're not and i don't know we we there's there there seems to be a lot of service related jobs that we need to value more highly for sure yeah but it is cool that your specific and i think all of them do have this aspect built in there are moments that are really super meaningful. 
Yeah. Where you get to do something really cool, where you really get to help somebody a whole lot. But I also imagine there are also times when there's just crazy things happening. So are you? can you talk about those things? I think so. Okay, like in a vague way? Yeah, I, I think as long as, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't say names or um, anything crazy. I mean... Let's start with you personally. What's the craziest call you've personally ever taken? What was happening? I took a call. This is... This is the only time that I, like, the next day cried. Oh, wow. Um. So this is interesting because this yeah. is this is like... This is kind of like PTSD, yeah. like mental health. Cause we, and they give us a lot of, we have a quiet room, and if we need to step away. Yeah. And sometimes people do. They have to go and just like cry a little bit. Yeah. Because you get bad calls. Yeah. Um, and mine, in the moment, I was fine. Like the day I was like, no, it's fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't even know if my coworkers know that I took a call from it. But um, I think it was summer. I got a call. And it was a... A man, he, he was about our age, I think. I don't know. You, know, you can't really tell. But by the tone of his voice, I'm going to assume he was in his 30s. And he was freaking out. And he was like, ma'am, I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. And our boat is go- it's going to the, um, the dam. Our boat's going to hit the dam. We're hitting the, like, we are getting sucked into the dam right now. Wow. So we have to, like, I mean, I'm typing. We multitask. That's a big thing. Yeah. Which I'm really good at, thankfully. And someone else was also taking a call of someone on the shore who was watching this happen. Okay, wow. So we it, it went up. Response time was amazing. The thing is, though, like to get a boat yeah. down the Ohio River to another boat, yeah, it's not as fast as a, no, a cop car. I imagine, you know. And I'm on the phone with him. I can imagine that taking 20, yeah, 30 minutes because they're you know they dock down a little bit further because yeah. you wouldn't dock near a dam. Yeah, and and how these these guys were in a fishing boat or speeding boat and i think they just kind of floated too far his oh that's what he told me he was like my my engine died yeah my engine died and we're getting sucked into the dam him and his friend and and he i don't know if he told me his name i don't remember but i I remember being like do you have your life just get a life vest on he's like ma'am hurry please hurry and Mm -hmm. i was like we have them we have them notified they're they are going to get there as soon as they can okay and he was like, I have to get off the phone. I was like, no, you have to keep your phone on. Because yeah. I was I was pinging, they call it pinging, to see his location. Mm-hmm. To try to get a mile marker. We actually have mile markers on the river. Right. To tell them where to go. And so he's telling, you know, and I'm trying to keep him on the line as long as possible. Because what else can you do? And then all of a sudden, I hear this loud explosion. Like, wow. Like, and then the line went dead. Yeah. And I was like, pretty sure the boat just hit the dam. Yeah. He got sucked under. It had to. What else? Or he he dropped the phone. And that was hard for me because they they got out there and they I think they, I don't know if they found the boat right away, but they found pieces of it. Yeah. And I think one of, there was two guys, one survived and one did not. They found one floating on the other side of the dam. He, he somehow made it through. So, and that was when I like almost, you know, the first couple months of starting. Yeah. So that's kind of, cause then you start, you start thinking about things like my voice is the last voice mm-hmm. someone heard before they passed away. Yeah. And you find relief in knowing that at least they had someone right. to talk to. 
And that you were encouraging to and them. Then, yeah, at least, I mean, I wasn't, yeah, you're not yelling at him and you're, and I'm telling him like, we're going to help, we're going to try, we're helping you as best as we can. Yeah. Like you're, you're trying to comfort them the best you can. So you find comfort in that and part of you is just like, that is just so, I don't know. There's trauma associated with that yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, I'm sh- I know that's not like the worst call, obviously, mm-hmm. that anybody's ever taken in my center, even probably this year. Um, but that, that was probably the, I think that's the only time I've talked to someone who I knew didn't make it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've taken calls on shootings where maybe they didn't make it, but I was talking to like a bystander. Right. Um, and you, and you, some people who are doing CPR, they get there and they're, they're already gone, but you never, like I said, you never talked to that person. Yeah. So that's, and it is hard and it's hard to find, um, we'll see, CPR calls if it's family members, right? It's hard because they, in that moment, I'm. Sh- I mean, I would do it too, but they they start. You hear them go through the steps. Um, I mean, they it's like they go through all of it, like anger, grief. They start bargaining with God, yeah, and you're hearing it all, yeah. And it's and you, what can you say? They're not really even talking to you anymore. They're just yeah. talking. I'm telling them to do compressions, and I'm hearing them begging the person to wake up. Yeah, but I'm hearing them yell at them. Because some of them are overdoses, yeah. and they start yelling at them like, "Why did you? T- I told you to stop doing this." And then I, they start begging God not to take them, and that's—I mean, it's hard, no matter your beliefs or you know how you feel about the situation. Because we get so many overdose calls, you know, you you almost become callous to it. I imagine. Because I just know that how, and just in this end of town, yeah, that has been such a huge issue. With for a while, I believe it was heroin, and now yeah. I think I've heard that it's been more methamphetamine. Yeah, but, I think the majority, at least for us to do a medical call, I mean, um, a lot of like CPR calls, it's heroin still, um, or fentanyl. People will yeah. admit to doing that. It's usually mixed, but like, and you, and maybe it's like a defense mechanism where you, uh, you know, you're like, oh, well, you know, they took heroin. They chose to do that. I don't, but you you still, you feel something. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, you're a human being. Yeah. You but, can't help but feel something. But, um, and yeah, and usually we, with those, they, they usually come back. They could Narcan, they have Narcan, you know, the police Yeah, and Narcan's stuff. awesome. Narcan's awesome. It's really cool that we have that. Yeah. It gives a lot of people who are in really difficult times in their lives an opportunity at a second chance. Have you ever heard, there's a man whose book I've talked about before. I posted about it on social media. I talked about it on here and you might enjoy it or relate to it uh, just because of your connection with people who are struggling with like drug addiction. It's called, this book's called lost connections. And the guy wrote a book. His name is Johan Hari. And it's basically about how there's been this war on drugs that has like devastated at people who are addicts and he basically says the reason that people are addicts is because they're anxious and depressed and the reason that people are anxious and depressed is because they're disconnected from all these things that they need as human beings in order to not be that and but when, once you get so disconnected from these things you're in so much pain you're experiencing so much trauma that you medicate that and some people are suffering so badly that they medicate themselves to death. And he talks about this study that was done with rats. And everybody's kind of heard of that study where they were like, if you give a rat water, 
and you give them another water bottle that's got cocaine or heroin in it, they'll drink that water until they die. But they did another study where they put the rats, that in that study, the rats were in a cage by themselves. They did another study where they gave heroin water and regular water to a population of rats, but they were in like this rat utopia <laughs> where they could just fuck and just eat and just like sleep in like straw and just were safe. And none of them fucking used the heroin water. None of them did. So like, I think the saddest thing about it is twofold. One, whew, one, we have a society that has a person like you who's compassionate and empathetic and is trying to help people and you have to experience trauma. Because other people are experiencing so much trauma and they're experiencing so much pain that they're medicating themselves to death. Yeah. And neither of those two individuals, yourself or that person, are very highly valued. So nobody really talks about it. Yeah. And that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like people, like, we get calls and people want to complain about people, like, on the street. You know, but it's kind of like to me, you took the time to call 911 because, oh, there's this person on the street and I think they're high. They're obviously on something. But like, what does calling us help that person? Why are you so scared of them? Just leave them alone or go volunteer on your day off and help at one of the, the shelters. Um. It just seems like people want answers, but they want someone else to answer it. Yeah, well, I want that too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, no, I guess, yeah, cause I don't have the answer, but people want to call and, and they want the police to do something about it. But you know, the police can't. Yeah, they're deal not. with homeless. Like they can't fix yeah. the homeless situation. People, you know, oh, arrest them. They're they're sleeping in this area. Well, what? How does that help anything? Um, that just costs the city money now. Yeah, we don't have enough resources. Yeah. To take care of a lot of this stuff, um, which isn't... It's we weird, just, man. We it's need weird. more resources. I don't know where to get the resources from. I don't know either. I think taxes is what you do, but... <sighs> yeah, that's what they say. The problem is, is the people who have all the money that you would tax yeah. are in charge, and they don't want to get taxed, so yeah. they're not. They're not taxing themselves. Right. Or they have their own small municipal police department. <clears throat> like, uh, I mean, you have... Like, who has that? St. Matthews has their own police department. Oh, that's cool. Um... I'm just talking about in general, yeah, like but, all the problems, like homelessness, and right. There, like, there are ways. There are ways that we could restructure our society and our government, and just all things that would, if not alleviate, well, it would alleviate some of the symptoms that we're experiencing from our current structure. And the reason we don't do that is one because government changes very slowly. And two, because most of the people in charge are so rich, they just have their own agendas. And they're pretty much picking what's going to benefit them the most. Like this whole thing with vaping that's just recently oh, happened. Yeah. Have you heard about that? Yeah, well, I've noticed that the the gas stations no longer sell vape cartridges or something. I saw signs go up. And- well, pretty much what happened is the tobacco industry has hated vaping. Right. Take and away I- from their cells. Yeah, and I used to vape. And I, I don't. I liked. I like nicotine. It's an interesting substance. I've never smoked cigarettes, but I enjoyed nicotine. You could get very focused. It was just an interesting experience. I felt creative when I was using it. Um, but 
they were also releasing those like THC vape cartridges. Right. And because that industry is so weirdly regulated, the companies that produce those are not allowed to package them. And some of the companies that were packaging them were packaging them with this vitamin E oil that ended up hurting a bunch of people's lungs. Right, yeah, I saw that. And they figured that out and they stopped it. It had nothing to do with nicotine vaping. Right, exactly. But, yeah, but it had nothing to do with a regular... Right. This but, was mostly... Well, in Kentucky, it would be considered illegal. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And, and most of it, I, I thought I heard, came from overseas. A lot of it was done sales online from overseas support, you know, suppliers uh, that... I mean, it would be equivalent of us going to the 7th Street flea off market or flea market and just being like, hey, you got any of that vape juice? Yeah, that they were like making in their homes. Yeah, like... And perhaps that's true, and I'm not sure about that for sure. But what I do know is that what what was causing that to happen was it was the like a vitamin it was the e additive additive yeah. yeah it was not the actual but now because the tobacco industry is so powerful in congress they're like vaping is killing people you shouldn't be vaping and now they're introducing this new product that is basically like it takes actual, actual tobacco and warms it up it doesn't combust it but it heats it up and you can like vape off that and get nicotine from it and they're about to completely make illegal all flavored nicotine cartridges because they're saying that kids use it, which kids do use it. Don't get me wrong. Well, yeah, but kids also smoke their parents' cigarettes. Right. Yep. Well, I mean, I mean, you and me both, I think, agree on this subject of it. Should vaping to me was was fine because we've had to deal with my husband's mother in law. Every time one of those deaths happened or someone was hospitalized, she would forward the article to let us know about it because Scott vapes and yeah, I have a vaporizer and. We had to keep telling her, like, this is not what we're about. This isn't the vape that we get. We go to a store. We get, like, it's, we could find the, the ingredients. It doesn't have that in it. Mm -hmm. you know, and then, plus, you got to look at the pros and cons of, okay, well, you know, if I smoke a pack of cigarettes a day and then I choose to go to vaping, my odds of death, I feel like, have decreased, even with the, the chance of popcorn lung <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Like... It is still a better option than smoking combusted plant a pack matter. of cigarettes yeah. a day. But the, the whole point I was just trying yeah. to make is like, if the government can do that, which is basically just spin a, a weave of lies and get an entire industry made illegal so that the tobacco industry can continue to make money. Right, to monopolize the whole idea. Then the whole system is just like, obviously, so screwed Right, that it's not... A surprise that we can't really get anything big and important done, like organizing our society in such a way that we have fewer people who are so anxious and depressed that they resort to consuming substances that could pretty much kill them. Right. I mean, it's crazy. That was a lot. That was deep. We went to a pretty deep place. I like deep. What was one of your happiest phone calls? Where you felt uh, like you just had the the biggest, most positive experience. I did have one call. I think the uh, most thankful call I've had, I guess, or you know, feel good. One of the feel good ones. I did take a call. It was very, um, it's not that interesting of a call, but I guess it's the end result that made me feel good. I took a call for, um, this guy called and his wife. I mean, she needed an ambulance. She wasn't unconscious or anything she was breathing but she had he told me she had like stage three cancer of some sort and she had just 
was really weak and lethargic and she just you know they they go to the hospital like every other day and they just need to go to ambulance and okay fine you know i go through all these you know how old is she is she she is alert she's breathing normally she you said she had cancer okay you know is she we have the protocol we go through and then i was like okay well you know i have i have the ambulance started just make sure your door's unlocked get together your medicine put away all your dogs kind of a spill and i was like if anything changes just give us a call back and he was like thank you so much and he hung up and then i don't know 20 30 minutes ago i get a, I, I get a call which is weird to get a, we don't have personal lines so for a call to get transferred to me it's either a supervisor calling or like someone specifically was like i need to speak to lindsey johnson so i was getting an incoming call and i was just like hello <laughs> and this someone was just like hey this is she said something i didn't understand it and she's like i'm with the uh, i'm with ems i'm one of the emts she's mm-hmm. like i'm over here at, and she gave this address and it was that call she's like i'm here She's like, I just wanted you to know I got here and the the husband who called wanted wanted you to know that he really appreciates how kind you were and just how nice you were. Um and that he he just he wanted he wanted me to let you know and I know you all don't get that a lot. So I thought I would call I I knew your all's number and I'd call up there and let you know that he really appreciated it and he said you were just like really nice and kind to him. That's really cool. And I was like that just makes me feel really good. Because I do try. Like, some people, I guess, think we don't try. Or, you know, yell at me that I'm useless. One person asked me, (laughs) are you a real 911 operator? And I was like, yes, you called 911, and I am a true, like, but, you know, I got that. Then one time I had a man call me. He called me back because he was a manager of a hotel, and these people had left without paying their bill. And they left their two dogs in the hotel room wow and he wanted to know what to do and i was like you call metro animal services he was like i called they don't answer and i was like unfortunately they budget cuts they Mm -hmm. lost a couple positions and there's only so many of them i was like they're really busy i was like but you know what i'll give them a call we get a special number a ring down number it goes directly to their person so i'll give them a call and i'll make sure you get on like a, a list and that someone comes out there so i did and i told him and then he called me back later and was like i just really want to say thank you because i i know this was not the most like priority thing for you i know you're taking 911 calls but you went out of your way to make sure that they knew to come out here and like and and he said they did come out Hmm. and he was able to give them the information on the people who left the dog yeah so they could even like file charges. Oh, that's cool, and, man. For animal neglect and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, so that that's really great that you have parts about it that are so meaningful and that bring you so much, I guess, a sense of purpose. But that's something you have to yeah. have. You have to have a sense of purpose. Right. And then, you know, yeah, because like we have supervisors and I, I really like all my supervisors, but obviously they have things they have. It's a different kind of supervision. Like you can call. They're up in the middle of the room. I could call them and ask them questions like, hey, I got this call. I don't know what to do with it. But most of their day is doing things that I can never do. They they have a lot of paperwork they got to do. They have to, they're watching both sides of the room. So they don't specifically see my work. They, all they really know is Lindsay's over there. No one's called to complain about her. Right. So we're going to assume she's doing her job well. Right. So, you know, they don't get a lot of, you don't get a whole lot of feedback. Right. Unless you mess up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be stressful. You're really just assuming the whole time that you're doing an okay job, unless they tell you you're not. Mm. Mm. That's rough. 
I imagine, though, kind of like you were saying earlier, that your connection to customer service has really benefited you in that position because you do have that ability to empathize and you have been in situations where you've had to deal with pissed off people who are angry about like their caramel macchiatos got too much foam. And that's just like, okay, bitch. Right. Because that's where we met. People might not know this, but you and I worked together at Starbucks. Just like Brian, yes. who was my very first episode. Right. But we worked together way longer than yeah, me and I Brian. Say, I was, yeah, Brian was after a couple of years. So this kind of brings us kind of back to that narrative. We kind of digressed quite yeah. a bit, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. That's okay. the best part about this. We can do that all we want. That's what it is. So to kind of bring us back to that, though, you started working at Starbucks when you were at Murray? Uh, I think it was the year I came back from Murray. Okay. It was 2006. Okay. Were you working at a coffee shop at Murray? Yes. That's what it was. I remember you telling me that story. There was a called Thorough Brewed. (laughs) Thorough Brewed? Yeah, Thorough Brewed Cafe. almost sounds like a strip club. Uh, Well, yeah. Well, when you're from from Louisville, you assume that it's going to be... uh, these, but everyone That's there, not a terrible idea. A, a coffee, coffee shop, shop, like Hooters kind of adaption adaptation, like see that gentlemen sipping coffee, uh, maybe smoking cigars. So like maybe then clad. all the creepy men from our Starbucks could just go uh, there instead of staring at the people behind the counter. Yeah. Do you still consider it your Starbucks? Yeah, I think part of me will just always call it my Starbucks. How long were you there? Um, thirteen years. Nice. I was there eight, I believe. Right. Total of eight. I think it was. Th- well, you know, they really just took me off payroll. Yeah. <laughs> about two weeks ago. <laughs> so I, I kind of just floated for. I, I was doing, um, one or two days a week while I transitioned into this job, um, and then I finally just said, just take me off payroll. Yeah. Why did you even stay on? Did you just want the security of like? I think you know it. It was. It was. It was like being in a relationship. I mean, it was so. I was ready to go for a lot of reasons but at the same time it was what i knew for 13 years and to think that i like wouldn't go back in the back room ever again like mm. like i knew i was there before that place was built mm-hmm. i knew every single inch of that store and i was going to this whole new place where i was the new person which yeah. was really weird um and i think part of me was i didn't want to break that connection until i knew that i was making a step in the right direction but once I trained for this job, finally got what they call like off probation, mm-hmm. and I was like, maybe it got to the point where it's more beneficial for me if I want more money. If I want to make more money, I can just do overtime mm-hmm. in my job pretty much anytime I want um, instead of just going back to what's familiar. Because it was nice once or twice a week going back to what was familiar. And you had a lot of friends at Starbucks. Would you still see those people, which is cool? Yeah. Well, and you know, at this point... There's not that many left, actually. Yeah, there's not a whole um, lot of people that work there. I mean, my... That, that I know. I, I think the only two that I know are Illustrial mm-hmm. and Caitlin and Justice. That's all Justice. Caitlin quit. Oh, Illustrial and Justice, I mean. Justice, yeah. And maybe Trevor. I think Trevor's still there. Yeah. Steven? I, I know no. Steven, but I did not work with him. You know Justice is back at Dixie. Yeah, I saw okay, her there good. a couple days ago. Um. So yeah, you... I'm sorry. Go ahead. But no, you started working there the... The day it was opened, you were actually trained at a different store because you, you would open the store on Dixie Highway. Right. I was trained at uh, St. Matthew's Mall or Oxmoor, one or the other. Oxmoor was Oxmoor Mall uh, in 2006. And then we opened in, I think, June or July of that year. So, 
You were there when I started. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who else was there. Cynthia was there. Do you remember Cynthia? Yeah, I would have started with um, Cynthia, Katie McGee. I didn't know her. Um, uh, Jessica Spade. I remember. Yeah, I was Jessica. in the first group. Um, he was gone. Heather Walt. Gillespie. Heather Gillespie. Walt was the manager. Yeah. Um, Kristen Block. She came she was a there. bit after yeah. before you. Kristen was there when she I was, was there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Ginny. Yeah. Angel. Angel. I worked with Angel. Yeah. I worked with... Terrence. Oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> Terrence. Yeah. Um, we, so, I mean, the we, the cool thing about working at Starbucks was there was a lot of turnover. Yeah. So, if you became a person who had been there for a while, you had a lot of clout. Yeah. Because there was... Like, being there for a year was a big deal. But if you had been there... I mean, by the time I quit, I'd been there for eight years. And you had been there crazy. for probably like I guess at that 10, point ten, 11. yeah. And yeah. it was it was interesting for me also transitioning into a new environment where I was new, and also where I didn't know everybody, and I wasn't like the big man on campus or the best person, right? Because that's hard for me. Like not feeling like I'm not doing a good job was hard for me. Yeah. Um, but th- also what was weird about it was. There, there was a different level of professionalism. Yeah, I'm sure. Moving yeah. into the classroom and out of like Starbucks because Starbucks. I mean, we were kids, kind of. Well, yeah. Well, we, we were, when I started at Starbucks, I was 19. I was a kid working yeah. at a coffee shop. Yeah, I think I was 19 or 20. And it was fun as shit. I had a blast. Yeah. Well, I think because uh, like peer to peer, we as long as we understood each other's levels or I guess boundaries, we could say anything we wanted. Without yeah. any kind of... And we had fun. We yeah. became friends. Because I, I imagine being a teacher, it's not like you can... I mean, you have so many things you probably shouldn't say in front of a student. That's definitely that true. That you know could potentially come back at you. Yeah. You do have to be very guarded. But also, you don't have to be, but I kind of was with a lot of the people I worked with also. Yeah. Because I was just trying to maintain a positive, like, professional relationship with them. Because I didn't do a good job of that at Starbucks. Like, I... Th- I looking back at my experiences there, if I could have been way more positive and <laughs> been way less dramatic and caused and talked less shit about people in general and just been nicer, yeah, everything about that experience for me would have been better. And so, like having realized that about myself, I didn't want to do that again. Yeah, like set job. yourself up to be. I just wanted to be friends with everybody. Yeah, and only interact with them. Like. I mean, like, I, I made friendships eventually, though, which is cool. I do have friends from, like, my time as a teacher. But, man, some of my relationships from Starbucks, for real, are... I still see Elena and Caitlin regularly. When I went to New York City, I hung out with Elena and Erica, a, like, three times. I was only there for, like, six days, me and Sarah. We hung out with them a bunch, and it was a blast. And Mike Higdon, when I was on my honeymoon, I went to Portland, yeah. saw Mike. And you, even, like, yeah. the reason why I asked you to do this, and Bryce and Brian, is because... When you're in an environment like that, where sometimes you are being a little bit mistreated, man, you just build bonds. You just build bonds. Some of my friendships from Starbucks are like still some of the people I think of most fondly. And the sad part about it is I don't see those people hardly ever. Yeah. Like I never see Kevin. Uh, like how's he well, doing? Is he's he doing doing right? good. I saw him last night. I hope he's, I hope he's, Kevin, if you're listening to this, I love you. Kevin, I hope you're doing awesome. Kevin works at GE. He likes it. That's cool. Puts things together. That's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, through the years, I mean, 13 years, you're right. I, I probably met like a hundred, at least a, I can't even fathom uh, how many, 200 people? Uh, turnover. Um, probably. Probably 200. And I'm still, maybe even more. Yeah, I'm still Facebook friends with with a lot. Not that that means much besides we Do just watch Do you remember Katrina Notenbaum? I remember, I mean, like, I, say, I remember about everybody. It's just some of them, I, I mean, I still try to keep in contact with, you know, the ones that are most friends with. I mean, like, Caitlin and Illustrial, they were my bridesmaids. Yeah. They were my only bridesmaids. I was I was just really close with them and still am. Um, like even though Caitlin's quit, I still try to hang out with them. Um, do you still do you ever see Kat? No, no well She goes by Kate now. No, I'm, I'm, she came to my wedding. She cool. uh she Facebook. Do, she's doing big Facebook. things over there at Norton's. Yeah, see I see all of her like promotions yeah. and stuff. And is she gonna yeah. do one of these? Has she? Will I she? haven't asked her. She'd be telling a lot know. about lactation and I, I would love to learn all about that yeah i'm i'm for, apprehensive maybe to talk to her and gabe a little bit because like i mean they're like, so smart because they are no because i'm like now like newly openly oh. not a christian and it's the first time in my life that i've ever really talked about it a lot because you remember you met me right about the time i started getting involved in church oh yeah i went to your uh church you mm-hmm. invited me and i Agreed to go, and I went once. I appreciated that. Yeah, you know. I appreciated that. You you, uh, you, you lent validity to our relationship when, we, when you when did I that. When I agreed to do something that you enjoyed? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, I was, um, I'm always willing to go see what everyone else likes or believes in at least once. Just not the biggest fan of it. There were, ta- there were times, yeah, I don't know. We don't have to talk about religion. No. Religion's an awkward thing to talk about, but- I just, there's, so I haven't shared the podcast with any people that I know through any type of church capacity. One, because I, I started making it in the process of quitting that. Yeah. And I've talked about it a little bit. And two, because I don't want them to change their minds. I don't want them to think just because I don't agree with them for a second that I think that they should think like me. Right. Or that I want them to change their experience. Just like, I know what works for me now. I'm 31 and like, I've learned a lot about me Mm -hmm. and I know it works for me and that doesn't work for me. Right. But so I don't know. I haven't really talked to Kat or Kate or Gabe, whom I really appreciate both of them a lot. Yeah. I don't know if they're listening or not. Um, so maybe I will ask her. That would be cool. I think she'd be fun. I mean, I, she always had great energy. She's very bubbly. She used to call me Meemaw. He was Meemaw Smith. Cause I took him to bingo a lot. Her and um, Alexis. Alexis. Yeah. I found that Gosh. on my, my Facebook memories showed me where they had wrote it across my Starphone cup at Bingo. Oh, that's ridiculous. Meemaw Smith. That's so funny. So. Oh, man. But no, I think fondly about my time at Starbucks. And I had a lot of fun experiences with you at Starbucks. Yeah. When you were, uh, you for a while, you dated a man who was I dated into- a man. Uh, Wrestling. Wrestling. <gasps> That's right. You and Elena went man, with me. Man, that was some of the coolest you experiences. Can't. Yeah, I will never regret watching- People, f- yeah, fight in a barn. Oh my gosh, with, it was amazing. With light bulbs and nails and bats. They would throw each other onto pi- like pins. Yeah, that one tacks. with the Arbor Mist bottle. I wasn't there. I wish I had been there so much. It was you and Elena. Was it just me and Elena? Oh yeah, tell that story. That's a great story. Man, okay, so they're in this, was that, the, you weren't there at the Indiana one with the gravel road? No, but I heard all about okay, it. Okay, so we went in this, so okay, so I'll just start the whole story. I dated this guy, I met him off of some kind of website, I don't remember. Uh, he thought he was an amateur wrestler. He didn't um, think he was. He was. I mean, he is an amateur wrestler. He wanted to be a pro wrestler. Ah, we'll put it that way. Okay. Um. 
So to do that in here in Louisville, you have to go around to the smaller organizations. And I think this one um, in Indiana, is just like a bigger thing. Southern Indiana really loves wrestling. Um, they have better rules. Yeah, they can bleed. I think, obviously. <laughs> Blood is okay. Um, so I get Elena to go with me because I don't want to go alone. Smart. And this guy that I'm dating is like reassuring me like, no, this is completely normal. Uh, the match I'm doing is I'm not going to get hit in the face with a, you know, bad. It's fine. I'm not doing the hardcore stuff. And I was like, okay. So we go up here and it's a gravel road off this like windy street. And it's like a barn. It's like a five dollar cover charge. We walk in. These people, these people are all openly drinking alcohol <laughs> that they have brought. There are small children running around the stage that has been made into the middle. And so me and Elena sit down on what I think was just like metal benches they had brought in, <laughs> like bleacher seats. Yeah, it was like bleacher seats, but in the middle of this barn. And people, I just so weird how everybody just had coolers full of alcohol. <laughs> they, they had bro. drug in, <laughs> and, and like, and then like, yeah, they start, you know, they start wrestling. And it's it's pretty, I guess, standard what you'd see. But then all of a sudden, it starts just like I it escalates it. quickly. Like one rack, all of a sudden, one uh, match, they have uh, ladders and chairs, and you're like, oh no! And then all of a sudden, like, it gets to the point where there's just people with bobbed wire over baseball bats and. Uh, and then we get to this point where this, and you know, like dating this guy and just the things I know that you know that most of this is staged. They have discussed this prior. They know they're getting hit in the face. So, you know, they're willing to go through this. But this guy, quote unquote, knocks the other guy out. He's whatever he's doing, acting like he's getting ready to die on stage. And the guy who's winning, I guess, is like trying to get the crowd involved and is like, I'm going to hit him over the head with something. Everyone's cheering. He's like, someone give me something. And I don't think he thought about it, but this lady hands him an empty Arbor Mist bottle. <laughs> and me and Elena are like staring at each other. I'm like, this is not a, like, this is different than a beer bottle. Like Arbor Mist is like tempered thick glass. I think a beer bottle I, even is really thick. I mean, that and he just, I think he just had too much adrenaline and got excited. <laughs> And he just hits this guy over the head with this, and it did not break. It made one of those noises, like like dong, and like like a, like a deep like thud. everyone just stopped. Oh, like did that I, happen? I, yeah, they're just like oh, like I think everyone realized like oh no, this was not okay. We expected the bottle to break, yeah. make like a teak noise, no dong. And even the guy who did it looks kind of confused. Like he's why? Yeah, he's like, like oh, oh god, god I killed, killed him. him. Like I just killed him. <laughs> And then, because this guy at this point no longer is like floundering around, he has stopped moving. He's just laying, He's flat. Just laying there. And me and Elena are like, we just witnessed a murder in a barn in the middle of Indiana. No one knows where we are. And then they, they finally like drug him. I kid you, like by the feet, like out off the. And like my boyfriend at the time, like came over and I was like, did, did you just see that? That is not, and he was like, it's fine. There's this um, nursing student in the back who's looking after all the guys. And I was like, a nursing student? We're going to need more. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. And then my boyfriend at the time, his match went bad because he he supposedly had talked to the guy and they had discussed what they were going to do and he was going to swing this way and the guy was going to look the other way, you Mm -hmm. know, to make it. And supposedly the guy went the wrong way. He broke his nose. Your boyfriend broke his nose? Oh, wow. And there was blood everywhere. Oh, God. Um, so yeah, you know, that was, 
I'd go back. I just remember the one that we went to because you said earlier that it was staged. And there was this one, it was in like this. I, was I, it the teenage, like, yeah, there was like a teenage Justin boy, Bieber, basically, but a wrestler. And he was in the fight with like definitely the heel. <laughs> right. And this, he had, a, remember, he had a broken leg. His like <laughs> leg was in a cast or something like that. And apparently his leg wasn't actually broken. Right. He was faking it. But that little boy's mom, I, I say little boy, but he had to have been probably like 17 or 18. Yeah. But his mom was fucking pissed because they pretended like the heel was cheating. Yeah. And like he kept hitting in, in the broken leg. And this this little boy's, this kid's mom was like, boy, he's hitting my boy in the leg. Boy, better be get on. The, don't you be letting him hit that boy in the leg, my little my baby. It was the craziest thing I've ever well, seen in my I entire think, life. I think one of the most fun things about going was the people watching. Because some of these people, I'm still questioning if they know that it's not real. I don't know. Because you would think they all know, but some of them get so emotionally attached to these characters. I mean, you have like little kids like cry. Why they take their small children, I don't know. But they're I like, can understand why the kids would think it was real. Yeah, and they're really getting into it, and the, the adults are screaming, and... I mean, and it happens with, you know, WWE, which everyone does know is, is scripted. And yes. Stuff. But even, you just get into it. Well, there there definitely is a level of showmanship to that. Yes. I remember one time I was at B-Dubs or something like that with some friends who didn't watch up wrestling. And we watched, they had it on and we watched them like, holy crap, like this is actually really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like they do a good job. And then I watched it a couple of times with Mike and Corey Young. Yeah. But what we were seeing was not that. Yeah. It was generally uh, hairy, chubbier men <laughs> right. um, in unitards, sweaty, real sweaty, oh, so lots sweaty. of heavy breathing, uh, like large amounts of time, just kind of like both of them catching their breath, <sighs> yeah. like sizing each <laughs> other up. <laughs> uh, but uh, dude, I remember it so fondly because it was it was it was such a unique thing. It was yeah. like something like I had never had any experience like that before in my life. Yeah, I feel like we, we did a couple of unique... We went to a Renaissance Fair together. Oh, I remember the Renaissance Fair. Yeah. I've told this story. Do you, do you remember the story? the archery thing. Yeah. You, you nailed it right there in the bullseye and got a free beer. So you're going to you you're gonna validate that story for me? Yes, I was I was there. I fucking love that story. Not very often in my life, Lindsay, have things worked out in such a way that I, I talk myself up and then follow through effectively. And then actually do it, yeah. Yeah, that's only ever happened like once or twice. And you got to see that, so I appreciate that. I did that. see that one, yeah. I'm sure if I thought long enough, there'd be other things possibly. The Renaissance Fair will will stand out to me because it was just it was just really fun. I've I've gone back. I went yeah. on my third date with Sarah Aww. to the Ren Fair. I went. I think one more time. I try to go, but it just never seems to work out. The weekends off, but it's I enjoyed all just it. not. There's well, actually, there's no. There's a quite a few weekends in July, like six weekends in July. But God, every, I'm so busy. I know everybody else is also busy. It's just it's part of being an adult in your 30s right now. It's like more shit to do than than normal. I know than ever. Maybe um, not. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that's just how it feels. Maybe that's how every thirty-year-old feels. Probably. I think I feel that way. Like I had three days off this weekend, mm-hmm. and I always like optimistically, I'm like, man, I have three days off. I'm gonna get so much done. I have nothing done. <laughs> it is Sunday. I mean, I have done things. I did get to hang out with my friends. Um, did some grocery shopping. I'm doing this. Saw my family, but like. As far as my house, my household, I think I've ran the dishwasher. Like, this is all these things that I thought I was going to get to do this weekend. When you're looking at it before it happens, I was like, three days is so long. 
And here I am like, man, it's already over. Yeah. I have to go back to work tomorrow. Time really does fly. It's it's kind of a crazy thing. Yeah, we lost an hour last oh, night. Oh, those motherfuckers taking so this hour. The man took an hour. Where does it go? Does it I don't just even go know. to next year? Arizona doesn't. That's do where it, Sarah's remember? at right now, and they're not doing it. Yeah, because yeah, ASU, we always had to be like, it was yeah. weird doing your deadlines because you had to remember if, who was and was not observing mm-hmm. daylight savings time. I got in my car to like leave earlier, and I thought that I was an hour earlier than I really was <laughs> before I remembered that my car is so old it doesn't change on its own. Mm-hmm. So my car doesn't change on its own. No, I thought maybe the new fancy cars did. I mm. don't know. Do you still have the blue Mustang? I do. The same one that you had mm-hmm. that you, that let you drive. Yeah. Oh I yeah. I bought it, brought it to Starbucks, Man. and you were like, "Lindsay, let me go take your car." And I that was like, was "Sure." Fucking cool, dude. Here you go. I appreciate you letting me do that. Yeah. All I did was drive down Dixie. Did you take someone with you? It was I took Casey with, Ford. Casey Ford. I, you were like, yeah. "Can I drive it?" I was like, "Oh, here you go." That was a cool experience, man. Because yeah. I'd never owned a convertible. Yeah. So that was nice. You're still, I I can't tell you the last time I. Put the convertible down. Busted that sucker off. You know, because it just, you, there's a certain, like, first of all, weather yeah, for a convertible. And second of all, a level of safety you mm-hmm. have to feel. So, and like on Dixie Highway, I mean, it's, you're just stop and go traffic. Yeah. What would even be the point? Smelling like fast food. And then always I'm afraid like someone would just jump in my car. Yeah. I, I will say that we were down further, like towards like heading towards Fort Knox, Dixie yeah, Highway. I think if I drove that way, it had opened a reason, up. We actually ended up popping off the road, heading towards Otter Creek, mm. and then you know we came yeah. back. I filled I filled up the tank. Oh, that was nice. You know, I, I ain't no asshole. That yeah. was a cool. That was a cool experience. I, I really do. I think back in my time at Starbucks so fondly. I feel like I learned so much there, and I I built such great. It, relationships with some people there and then i was a total dick to some people there which i regret uh, and some people probably don't think of me very fondly but it's funny illustrial found a picture of me hidden in like the box that was the headsets the, like that drive through headsets yeah oh i get comfy rotating other side of the uh i hope that will reach you it will here because i'm gonna do this okay grab grab another pillow and you can have as many as you need yeah but yeah your face i think to this day there are still mitch faces Mm -hmm. around the area did you ever get on the roof at starbucks i did not i helped you get on the roof Mm -hmm. you get the trash bag that you threw on the roof (laughs) remember (laughs) because in famous mitch form you said i bet i can throw this trash bag from here all the way into the dumpster. <laughs> and I said, no, you can't. And you underhand through it. Like snagged the corner of the roof. It landed. Dangling. Just perfect. The worst part about it was it landed in such a way that you could, Everyone see, could see it, it. from the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so like I knew, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to get up on this roof. I, I, in in my mind, in that moment, I was like, how am I going to handle this? <laughs> I remember you were like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you're going to get on the roof. You're climbing the roof. That's the only answer. <laughs> That's the only thing. That there's nothing else that's going to do this. But that opened up a doorway for me where I ended up on that roof a few times. I went up there with Francis. Well, there you go. I went up there with uh, Tyler Wilman. I went up there with Brent and, uh, you remember Brent? Oh, yes. And uh, what was that other kid's name? The one that also worked there with Brent, the yeah. dark hair. Yeah. I don't remember his name. But I remember Brent. Oh, well. Brent Mathis. Mathis? Yeah. He does big nice. things. He does music. He does music, right? Didn't he climb out the drive-thru window yes. and just run that's away? That's how he quit. Yeah, it's amazing. He was like, see you later, guys. And he 
From what I understand, just climbed out the draft the window and never was seen again. Well, the next day, but he he quit. Yeah, that's hilarious. Probably the next day. Uh, so did so you is it is like nine one one operator the first like job that you consider like your real job? Yeah, I mean, Starbucks for me was always, I think, more serious than most people would take a job. Mostly because I just... Once you've been there for a while, it really does become... You know, and and I knew so much just from being there, like, handed down knowledge. Um, And I I still really feel like I I was looking at it from, like, a business perspective and numbers and everything they wanted from a manager but decided I didn't have. Um, So I did think it was a real job, but, but yes, at the same time... I have a job now where I think I'm one of the youngest people there. Wow. Which is different because at Starbucks, I was the oldest yeah. in the building. Um, and the ability to not be responsible for other people, mm-hmm. like, removed a whole different kind of weight from my shoulders. Oh, I see. Because, yeah, because at Starbucks, you're always managing people. Yeah. yeah. And I was always, all I ever thought about was how do I make everyone else do what I would do? Yeah. You know? How do I keep them... Plus, if they did something wrong, it always seemed to fall back on. Yeah. You know, so yeah. with this job, it's just really nice that I really only have to focus on me. What you're doing. What yeah. I am doing. That is I nice. am only responsible for me. And there, you know, it, it was, like I said, first it was really hard because I didn't have all the answers. I was so used to either having the answer or knowing how to find the answer out. Yeah. That it was a weird feeling to just be, in some instances... Totally lost. Just totally lost. Like, I have absolutely of, no I'm kind of there right now. Yeah. In my new job. What is your new job? Have you talked about it? I haven't really. It's an interesting... It's sort of... It's Should complicated. We? we don't have to. No, I can. So, I work for a healthcare technology startup called My Family Channel. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it's called now. It's a small, upcoming, up-and-coming company that, among other things... Uh, creates a digital platform for connectivity between elderly individuals living in assisted living facilities. So they can like interact with the facility on their TV. They can see oh, okay. like the daily activity lists. They can see uh, dining menus. They can see the directory of everybody else who lives in the facility with them, all of their neighbors. They can see the weather. And they can also receive messages from the administration at the assisted living facilities. Um, There's also an associated scheduling thing that the assisted living facilities can use to schedule their teams. There's a community thing that comes with digital signage where they can like put activities on TVs like around the building and stuff like that. Does this have a way for them to, are there like instead of a nurse button for them to be able to contact someone in like their nurse or it's, even have nurses. Out. We're working on it. It's okay. called My Doctor Channel, but it's but in it development. is assisted living where there are nurses on site. No, no, no. So that would be that would be a nursing that home would be facility. An actual nursing home. Yeah. So this is assisted living. They have caregivers mm-hmm. that are on site that come in or something. But if somebody they call an ambulance if right, somebody well, is injured. Well, I was just thinking about because we get um, that completely change the subject back to me, but. We get calls from people in nursing homes or assisted living, and sometimes it's, um, well, a lot of times when it's nursing home or hospital, they call us to, and tell us that um, no one is checking on them, and then 
usually to be nice we call i will call them at the place and have to tell them like hey mr and mrs so-and-so in room 132 says they're pushing the nurse button and no one's showing up and they called 911 yeah they yeah. called 911 because they said their back hurts but you know, we can't send an ambulance to those places unless the nurse calls us. Right. Now, we send to assisted living, obviously, but I could imagine there's situations kind of like that where they don't really need 911. Maybe they just need someone to answer a question about yeah, maybe their medication or yeah. like what time should they take it? Or, mm-hmm. Yep. So. so that all's in the works. And it's really, it's really interesting. It's very new and it, so there's a lot of potential for growth and a really a lot of opportunity for me there to learn and try new things and to use my skills in interesting ways. But I want to talk about you. Okay. I don't want to talk about I, me. I know. You're more interesting than me anyway. So so not only have you just transitioned into a new big girl job. That's right. And I got my big boy pants on also. We've also got another thing in common. We both transitioned into new big boy, big girl statuses in life. You are now a wife. Yes. I'm now a husband. Yes. How's that experience been for you? It's been good. Yeah. I don't know. It's really weird people ask you, and it doesn't feel much different. No. I mean, we were already living together. Mm-hmm. I'm 33 now, but me, you know, it was different if I had been 22 and we didn't live together and we ran off and got married and I'd never lived with anyone before in my life. Like, you know, because I'd had a couple of previous boyfriends who had at some point maybe lived with me. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a new experience to live with a man. And I mean, uh, I really enjoy it. I like it's it's different. It took me a long time. Not a long, it took me a while to remember that I, you know, like you, I'd still say Smith, and I still do, and mm-hmm. remember that I'm Johnson or um, having my ring on. Like now, it feels normal. But at first, I was like, this is so weird because I don't wear rings. I, I play with mine have. constantly. I yeah. never do either. I'm always like, <clears throat> and even at, you know, work when I I started this job, still engaged. Uh, so even that was, I had a transition to being married and getting married. And then my name changed. It's so much harder for women to get married. I know. I agree with that. Right? Because I mean, you saw it, obviously, because you're married. Like, the paperwork. Like, I still have, I think my bank card says Smith. Mm-hmm. But the bank has it under Johnson. So when people use my, like, when I use my credit cards and they look at my ID, I'm always like, I just got married. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't tell them it was almost a year ago. I'm just like, I just, <laughs> just got married. Haven't changed. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, no big deal. But, like, there's just so many things I keep forgetting. I have to remember, what last name was that under? Oh, that would be annoying. Or, like, my social security card. I I changed my name, ordered it. The first one they mailed me got lost. So, someone may have my social security number. Oh, gosh. Um, They don't do certified mail or anything. It just comes in an envelope from the social security office. Yeah. So, it pretty much says, please steal me. (laughs) So, I got the second one. (laughs) Like, I just ordered a passport a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's cool. I haven't received it yet because they just mail it to you. Yeah, that takes a long time. It took me like almost three weeks to get mine. I feel I need to check when I went because I feel like it's been at least a month or two. Really? Uh, But I also haven't got my birth certificate back from them Mm because they took that and told me they'd mail me that back. Yeah. But so yeah, married life. Um, It's good. That's cool. It's it's still weird, you know, just to think that I'm married and I'm 33. I just still feel so young. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this is how older other people have felt when they were our age. Because then when I I remember being really young and thinking 33 was like super old. Mm-hmm. But I just still feel really young and like time's just flying by. Because 30, I guess 33 does feel old. I'm 31. 
Yeah, I think around 30, I had like a quarter life crisis. Really? Yeah, because at 30, for me, I was in a, a stagnant relationship. Still worked at Starbucks. I hadn't finished. I was taking classes, but still hadn't finished college. I was living in this apartment that I'd lived in forever that was not in the best area of town. And I just felt like, like, what, what is going on? I'm 30. Like, this is. Like I had no, I wasn't going anywhere. I was still stuck, and it was really hard for me. I like I watched a lot of my peers doing things and progressing, and I think getting the degree, I mean, it really helped me realize that I was doing something. Yeah, even though it took me like ten years to get a degree, but it took me ten years yeah. almost too. I wouldn't feel Which, guilty about it. Yeah, well, we were we were trained to feel bad. If you weren't out of college in four years after you got out of high school, you were doing something wrong. And I think I still look back and think that that's a terrible thing to make k- kids at the age of. I mean, I think I was seventeen when I was a senior mm-hmm. to make them feel like you have to go to college immediately for four years and get a degree. Yeah, and you have to know what you want to do that in, and you have yeah. to know what you want to do for the and rest you of your stay life. Stay with it. And some people do, and they're happy and they yeah. love it. But like some people do, and they hate it. Looking back, if I had just taken a year off after high school, Mm -hmm. I may have figured it out and got everything done faster if if I just didn't feel so much pressure to go do something. Yeah. I feel kind of privileged that college took me as long as it did because I was able to figure some stuff out. Yeah. But one of the things that's definitely true is we compare ourselves to everybody else around us. Right. And I talk about this all the time. People are probably sick of hearing me saying, but social media has something to do with that. It does. I'm not a huge fan I like it. I use it a lot now, especially now with the podcast. And it definitely has value. And I've had the chance to have meaningful conversations with people. But I also feel the way that it's designed to be addictive and the way that I want to check and see if I've got interactions, the dopamine you get from that, and how I could feel it becoming a drain on my time. And now it's kind of like, I sort of think of it like I'm working. So I have to try to find a happy balance between that. But there is also an aspect of, look at all this awesome stuff that everybody else is doing. Right. And I'm not doing anything awesome. But really, you're just seeing snapshots of the best, you know, week out of everybody's year. Right. And so, it's just not real. And it's not genuine it's and that's why i like the podcast format because every single person i've talked to well not every single one but most of the people i've talked to their story ultimately turned out to be things didn't go as planned and this is how i've responded to the adversity that i experienced not very many people just go straight into college and come out the other side like they did it all perfect and not everybody finds himself. Most of the people I'm talking to, like they just like, I, I don't love my job. It, there's, I don't know. It, it's weird. Thirty is just nobody prepares you. They don't. How can how can they? How right. could we possibly prepare? That was a that was a question I used to ask myself all the time. How can I prepare these young people who don't have any context? Yeah. To realize what they're going to be asked to do. Because just like you said transitioning into this job that you're doing now, you had to learn to do brand new things. Do you feel like this is going to be like a lifelong career? I don't know. You know, um, 
I mean, Starbucks was supposed to be part time, and it ended up being thirteen years. <laughs> this for me is a really good full time job. Um, I definitely like the larger, I guess, grouping of my job. Like, I enjoy the criminal justice, even maybe the public service, and I really enjoy call taking. I don't know if I could do it for. 24 more years because of burnout because of burnout and that's a real thing that we we talk about in training and just in general it, it's a highly burnout burnout job i mean it just the nature of it will burn you out mm-hmm. um just like teaching just like nursing yeah like it's and there's no way to Policing. fix that it's not they're not gonna hire more even when we hire more people we're just I mean, we're still the volume of calls continuously goes up we are continuously growing agency mm-hmm They've expanded once or twice. They've merged with this. You know, they're going to have to expand again. Um, burnout is real. They, they, I think they say that our position usually average averages about three years. Wow, that's so short. Yeah, and like I said, fourteen people came into training a year and a half ago with me. Only seven of us are still around. Wow. Um, and for them, I think training one of us costs like twenty thousand dollars. Goodness gracious! Because you have to be CPR certified, and we're state certified, and we were you did three months of nine to five training basically Monday through Friday. Um so I think I owe it to myself more than I owe it to them, but a little bit to them to <laughs> to stay. Cause I've learned that the longer I do it with any job, the longer I am doing it, the more comfortable I am, mm-hmm. the more I enjoy it. Like I said now. Um, I mean, we can get forced overtime, but I'm finding myself in the last couple months volunteering mm-hmm. for overtime because I'm not, when that phone rings, I'm not 50% scared to death it could be someone dying. Right. Because now I'm like, okay, I know how to handle mm-hmm. 85% of calls. And that was always something that was true about you at Starbucks. Like, there were so many times when I was working at Starbucks, I was like, I hate this job. Because I didn't feel a strong sense of purpose and I didn't feel like what I was doing really had meaning. And while there were some times where I loved everybody around me, and those times were great, and I would say that I loved my job during those times, there's also lots of times where I didn't really appreciate the people around me as much as I would have liked to. And I allowed that to really taint my experience. And you didn't have to, you didn't seem like you dealt with that nearly as much. As I did. You always yeah. seemed like you were positive and that you enjoyed what you were doing. And like you took things in stride better than I think I did. Maybe because you were just a little bit older. I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. I think I I think I am good at it as far as trying to stay positive. There were definitely people I worked with that I did not like, would not have been friends with outside of the, the store. But I just knew it was easier to get along with them then try to fight it um yeah yeah i say i enjoyed it, it just wasn't uh no i definitely had my days and i had looked for other jobs not like seriously but like had something else just magically came up um maybe i would have left sooner but because <laughs> for me it's hard because when i when i started in 2006 um starbucks was still what i would like to say up and coming you know they'd only been around for 20, I think 25 years almost. They were still very much, it's about the coffee, the connection. They weren't staring at numbers. They weren't oversaturating the market. And then 
2008 happened with the recession, and I think it got all the companies scared. Our stock dropped a lot, and then all of a sudden, it's like things just progressed to the point that by the time I left, I felt like it was all about the numbers. Yeah. Um, and whatever goal you had or thing you were working on, it just didn't matter because next month they were going to pick something else to work on. Mm -hmm. And then in a year, you're going to go back to that first thing you were going to work on, but they're probably going to change how you do it. Yeah. You're like, how many times did they, and it was always little things that were just like, we pour the shots in the cup. We pour the shots in the shot glasses. I remember all that stuff. Yeah. They changed it all the time. Things that it just seemed useless and it was and didn't matter. And then, you know, even in the later years, I saw people getting, not specifically at our store, but through the community of Starbucks partners, they were getting rode up and fired for not having window times down, mm-hmm. not for, how, you know, I mean, things that were not that big of a deal. And then to make it worse, we got a new district manager and they unplugged the thing that counts your window time. And he said, oh, we don't really care about that anymore. <laughs> like, it was just like, I would see people get fired for things. And then all of a sudden, like a few months later, it didn't matter. We didn't care about that anyways. Yeah. So like people's livelihoods. Yeah, that's really weird. Were made to be like kind of like a example of, but then they would change the example to the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just, the point of that whole story, I think, was that when I got the job, I really liked it. You felt a lot of loyalty, I felt the, a lot of to, the loyalty company. to the company. So it was harder to leave, but I had to acknowledge that a lot of things had happened in 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the culture had changed significantly. Yeah. And, the, and the, well, just society in general, like you said, with social media, mm-hmm. with this whole new idea of um, entitlement, instant gratification. Instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah, and then if it if it's wrong or if they don't like it, they go on the internet, they complain about it. Yeah, and then the company bows and says, "I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we'll shut the whole store down." Yeah, and have classes. Mm-hmm. You know that happened two or three times in 13 years. Oh yeah, you were there during that whole thing when they had to shut the store down and do like uh, diversity you training, diversity or stuff like training that. The one time we had one before that where we were going back to the basics. And we spent like three hours staring, just talking about the espresso machine or something. Was we this were, after I left too? That was before you were there, I think. Oh, really? Wow. I mean, that was back with Walt. Mm-hmm. We shut down because people said we were getting away from our roots, hmm. which we still did anyways. They just had to do that to make it look like we weren't. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we got smoothies and then they took those away because they were a terrible idea. And then, you know, now they're going through things that... You really were always really passionate about the culture... That was Starbucks. Right. You think it was just because of how much you appreciated it, what it was when you very first started? Yeah. I think it all had to do with the fact that I was there so long and had seen the original concept Mm -hmm. before everything changed. Maybe it had to change to keep up with society. But whatever the original goal was when I started in 2006. Like the whole Bob, not Bob thing? Yeah. Like make friends with everybody spend time making connections with the customers and stuff like that yeah like well i mean i kind of enjoyed that i think my problem is they want you to do that they they were very hypocritical because they wanted you to do that you know make sure you talk to every single customer and make eye contact and touch their cup and smile but also we need to make every drink in 23 seconds or less yeah (laughs) but you also we're going to cut labor and you're going to be making hot drinks but we also added four more drinks you can make on the blender but you're going to have to use the special stuff Mm -hmm. so you know like it would be different if you were just at the espresso machine i mean even after you left it just 
it just seemed like they still continuously cut labor. Like I remember when you and me worked together and we would all just be standing around and we would just be like, Hey, do you want to go home? Yeah. There's too many of us. Yeah. That hasn't, I mean, years since I remember doing oh, that yeah. when I left. I remember that you would, we would close together. There'd be two of us there from like 10 o'clock until midnight. Yeah. And those last two hours, like there had to be two of us there just in case somebody for, came yeah, in. Yeah, for security reasons and stuff too. Yeah. But somebody would come in maybe once every half hour. We'd have the whole place spotless. We'd have everything done. And we would just be hanging out with each other. I remember but, playing games. Played Scrabble sometimes. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, we got all our stuff done and then we hung out. Yeah. And it was great. And we we gave good service when people would come yeah, in. We had the ability to. Yeah. Um, by the time I left, it just felt like there was never enough people. You think that's a product of capitalism and this Starbucks is so huge now. Yeah. And they make so much money. But there is always this constant need to grow right. and to produce more and to make more money specifically. In order for them to do that, they had to compromise a lot of the things that they valued early on when they first started the company. It's true. And, but I think a lot of companies do kind of what you're talking about, which is they ultimately value the bottom line over not the, not the experience of their customer. They care a lot about the experience of their customer because that's where the money comes from. But from caring about the experience of the employee, employee and the experience of the human being doing the job. So I, I think I experienced a little bit of that when I was at Starbucks too that I didn't really like. But the main thing that I think really defined my experience there was my bad attitude, <laughs> which sucks. I hate that. I hate that about the time there that I look back ultimately on it and feel that way. But I feel like I could have had, I could have loved that job because I, I definitely loved the people that I was working with. Some, you definitely did at some points. I think your last month of being at Starbucks. Yeah. Um, you were pretty grumpy. Oh, I'm sure I was. Yeah. I'm sure I, I was. remember that. Grumpy regularly. There were lots of days that I would drive into work and I'd want to cry. Yeah. I like, I hate this place. I hate these people. There were, I will say that I lost my cool a couple of times. I've yelled at a couple of people at Starbucks. We were kids, man. We were trying yeah. to figure out. And that's also the thing. They life. put people, they put you in, you know, we, I, I became a shift leader when I was 21 i think i was 19 yeah and they're like here 20. you're in charge of other people and some of them are older than you mm-hmm. yeah like and it's such a weird concept and it's i think it's a great it was a great opportunity for me to learn and grow yeah um i think the problem was is i outgrew that role it became boring and not challenging right but I, yeah i'm with you on that like i had there was not much more i could learn um Besides, like, the weekly updates with some kind of new rule they made. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only so much that you can know. And then, yeah, every day is just kind of the same and not many variables. Yeah, so now, like I said, you and I have got that new thing in common. I'm a husband. You're a wife. You told me that you are about to go on your official honeymoon. We are. We are um, trying to think of time. So 10 months after our actual wedding... Coming this April, we will be heading to St. Thomas, mm. say U.S. U.S. Island. Where's, I've been told. Where is it at? Well, it's south for okay. sure. I know that much. In the Virgin Islands. It's yeah, yes. It's. Do uh, you, you become a virgin when you go back there? That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Trans, your Everyone, whole body changes. It's like while you're in the aircraft. Don't they launder a lot of money through the Virgin Islands too? Isn't that I don't a know. thing? I, I don't know. I know either. Switzerland, right, is a thing about yep. laundering money. Yep. Maybe. 
I don't know. Maybe not. I don't. So is it like a resort? Is it like an all-inclusive thing? Uh, no, it, it is a resort. Okay. We're going to, uh, it's Marriott. Okay. So reputable. Nice. It's supposed to be right on the beach. Ooh. I've seen pictures, hopefully. Nice. Apparently they have some of the clearest ocean water. That sounds beautiful. Because I've only ever been to you know, Florida, Gulf Shores. Yes. Yeah. Um, You've been to St. Pete it. area? San Florida? Yeah. No, I think I've been to mostly Gulf Shores side, I think. When we were really little, we went a couple times, but I don't remember what side. Like Orlando. Yeah. We would usually go to Destin when we were oh, younger. My parents go there a lot still. But yeah, so we're going to St. Thomas, flying, staying a week. That'll be exciting. That'll be super exciting. So yeah, because it's I'm um I haven't went out of the United States since fifth grade when my parents took us on a trip to Disney World and then the Bahamas. Oh nice. But that was like a one day, half day cruise to the Bahamas and we stayed a couple of nights. And I don't remember a lot because I was like Tiny. eight. So. That's still that's cool. I've never really been out of the country. One time I went to Mexico on a cruise. Sarah does country outside the country visits all the time. She's cool. She said she's going to take me to one of those places. She thinks she's fancy. Oh, I would love to go. We talked about in the future trying to make more trips. I just applied for my passport. Um, it'll be here in a couple weeks because, well, in November, we're going to go on a cruise. Oh, that'd be cool. I, we've, neither one of us have ever been on a cruise. Cruises are cool because they're like all inclusive right. and that whole thing is cool. That's what my big thing was like. The food is like you just eat whatever, whenever. Yeah. And then we buy the alcohol package and then Boom. you just get drinks all the time. You don't have to worry about anything. Sounds awesome. So that's, you know, um, depending on the coronavirus, that will be in November. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the cro- <laughs> that's whole, that whole thing is crazy. No, my parents, because my parents leave April, like the same week we are going to St. Thomas. They are taking a cruise out of Tampa. Mm. And no one um, from those ports, it doesn't seem like there's been too much of an issue. Mm. But there have been cruises canceled that you wouldn't expect. Like there was one going to Alaska from the West Coast someone canceled and um, they did give my dad $200 onboard credit as mm. a bribe to not cancel like hey as long as you keep your reservation here's well, more extra happening. money people are probably older people if I had to guess older people are probably more likely to do cruises yeah, yeah would retired. you agree that yeah. yeah my parent yeah because they're both retired and older people are also more susceptible to things like the coronavirus it's true people who are immunocompromised yeah people it, don't take babies on cruises usually no it does seem, though, like there's a bit of an overreaction to yes. the coronavirus. Definitely, like, your hatred for social media, I think, has taken over. Um, you know, yeah, I don't think it is as big of a deal to the point where, like, Kroger's out of toilet paper. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like the flu. But it is important, and it does need to be spoken about, and people need to be aware that it's an issue. Yeah, and wash your hands. There's Winifred. Don't touch oh, yeah, your definitely face. wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're doing that in a married life. Yeah, because this is. I started a new. Well, I started this job um, almost six months before my wedding. Okay. So the problem was we couldn't take a honeymoon. I I could I got a couple of days off from my wedding. They were nice. Mm-hmm. Technically, I wasn't supposed to get days off yet. So yeah, we um we had to push our honeymoon back about a year. Mm-hmm. So this will be like the first real vacation we've taken as a married couple. Nice. Uh, and we haven't taken a vacation in general probably in two years. Yeah, you have a very regimented schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I took We went to Atlantic City, me and Scott, before we were even engaged. And that was the last time I feel like we really took a vacation. I've never been to Atlantic City. Did you guys gamble? Yeah. Oh, man. So much. Do you like gambling? No. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love oh, gambling. Yeah, you do. I'm I knew gambler. that about you. Yeah. 
man. I'm, yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm scared to gamble. I'm such a chicken. I'm a yeah. chicken. I don't, and I'm cheap. Mm. So I'm like, doesn't work out. If well I want to get rid of money, <laughs> like I want to get a return. If well, I you get have a, re- a chance of a return. I know, but w- once I've once I've invested so much and I haven't got True. a return, I'm like, I'm yeah, just annoyed. You, you, yeah, then you, you get out of. So you. I could take like a twenty uh-huh. and maybe gamble. The best experience I had gambling recently. Oh my gosh, it was wonderful. Did you go to Bingo? I went to Keeneland. Oh, the horse racing yeah. thing, right? So Sarah's parents bought us tickets to Keeneland, mm-hmm. and we were all supposed to go down there. And Sarah's father that morning ended up having uh, a medical issue that arose, and he couldn't go. Um, so Sarah and I went by ourselves, just us, and her parents gave us each twenty dollars. So I started with forty bucks, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first few races we didn't bet on. Uh, so we only bet on like the last like four. So the first two bets I made, I made two dollar bets. I lost it, so I was down eight bucks. So now I've got fourteen fourteen dollars. So I'm like, there's only like three more races, so I make a twelve dollar bet, right? Yeah, I make a twelve dollar bet, and I win eighty six bucks. <sighs> Nice. Did you put twelve on like someone to win? What'd you do? I did. I did Did a trifecta. trifecta. Yeah. Trifecta box. Trifecta box. I did trifecta. That's the way to go. Yeah. And uh, I got eighty six bucks. So I was like, sweet. Okay. So I took the exact same twelve dollars. I took that. I did another twelve dollar trifecta box on the the last race, and I won two hundred and seventeen dollars. Nice. And I was like, oh my god. You're like, I can see why this is addictive. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was a fucking amazing feeling. And there was a dude who was standing next to me, like waiting in line to like cash in. And he was stoked. And he said something that he had, lo- he had won like $10,000. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. But <laughs> I feel just as great as yeah. you do right now. I just, yeah. Oh my God. You won a shit ton of money one time, didn't you? Oh yeah. Were you still working? You yeah. You still working at Starbucks. Kino? That happened? Oh, that shit ton. There was another shit ton. Oh my ton god, that you won another out. shit ton? Yeah. Okay, I need to hear <laughs> if you about. If you're mad about that one, you're gonna be so upset oh, about I, this I, one. I got to hear about both of them. Okay, so the, the Kino one. Yes. To, to let your listeners know the story, so for a while at Starbucks with our Starbucks family, we went to um, Roosters on Dixie every oh, Monday because yeah. it was fifty nine cent wing night or something, and we went almost every single. We like got to the point where we would tell our manager like none of us want to close on mondays because we have to be at roosters so we can hang out yeah and so i always played keno yeah um i get it i'm throwing my money towards something that could potentially not win anything and you always gave me shit about it yeah like well you could just hand me ten dollars and i can either give you some of it back or not i'm sorry i was an asshole (laughs) but i I get it i I think i put like ten dollars maybe twenty dollars down and then we i wouldn't even watch it because we were talking when Mm -hmm. i left i'd scan it and one three here and like seven here and sometimes mm-hmm. i'd win like 20 or 30 so that it's, time it's, it feels nice to hope you're gonna win even for yeah, just a little while you know, yeah because you don't know it's like uh yeah, yeah it's still it's it could, could go either awesome. way yeah it could go either way so we went up there and i scanned it and you were talking to me so i wasn't really looking because i'm so used to it just saying sorry not a winner yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it popped up and i remember saying mitch i won no you, i remember exactly what you did what i did you went like this <gasps> did i you, you okay. inhaled See, I, I wasn't and your hands were shaking and i was like what happened and he was like i won and then i was confused about what was happening for a little bit of time because you were more having a conversation with like the people who worked there uh, 
Did they cash you out there? No. Yeah, they would not. You you have to take it to like a certified retailer authorized cashier person. It was on Stone Street, that little gas mm-hmm. station by JCC. So how much was they that? They write one? you a check, $2,007. That's beautiful. Oh so they write you a check. $2,007. So wait, there was a bigger one than that? There was a bigger one. How much bigger? So right before my bachelorette party. Yeah. So April or May before I got married. So it's been about a year. Okay. Derby City, for those not familiar, it's on Poplar Level Road. It's an extension of Churchill Downs. They have what is basically slot machines, but mm-hmm. it's based off historical racing. But it, you push a button. You just pick how much you want to throw at it. Mm-hmm. You push a button, and it tells you if you'll win or not. Mm-hmm. So me and Scott went. It's kind of a thing we do. So um, we went, and we were gambling. And Scott went to the, He was in the smoking section. They have a smoking section, as, as you know. And I was not, because... But I was playing this game, and I, I, I was bidding. I was betting six dollars a spin, which is kind of high roller for me. Yeah, that's balling. I'm so I'm like, like I'm impressed, right? Because I mean, usually a dollar is like my max bet. I'm for feeling a spin. low class right now. So I'm hitting this six dollar thing. It's these horses called Mustang. Ooh. And I go into this bonus round. You get all these spins and stuff's happening, and you collect these golden horses or so. So at this point, it starts. You know, you're winning money, and I'm like, oh, this is this is a good bonus. I'm getting, getting like a hundred dollars or so. It starts going, it goes past a thousand. And I'm like, and I still have like, I don't know, I kept re-triggering, got more spins. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, this, this may keep going. Where is my husband? Because now people are starting to form a circle around me. Because <laughs> they've noticed Because they've winning noticed, because, you know, it's ding, 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 And I'm like, yeah. oh my God. So I call him on my phone. I'm like, you, where are you? And he's like, I'm in the smoking area. And I'm like, you need to come to me now. And he's like, why? And I was like, I am winning thousands of dollars. <laughs> And there are people watching. <laughs> it's like, I need you right now. And he, so he comes up and he, I guess later he told me he thought I meant like two mm-hmm. couple. He gets there and is watching with me. I ended up getting, it, it got to the point of $10,000. Oh my gosh. Pretty much on this stupid machine. Yeah. And it's my biggest win to date. So you stopped. Stopped gambling? So, no, I mean no. like you stopped at that point once you got to that height? That's yeah. That's just at, that's where it stopped. Oh, it stopped. Like it, it was all these free spins and it just kept spinning. Oh, but then it like I, see. like I wasn't paying for those spins. I, I mean, want a bonus. The bonus I you get free you. spins. So you push that button and then it goes. Yeah. So I bet six dollars. Yeah. And I kept getting free spins. Okay. So I won ten thousand off of a six dollar bet. Wow. Like yeah. And they you did, just leave at that point, right? They took our photos. You just go home. I think we did. Cause, <laughs> yeah, at that point, no, because at that point it was late. We were getting ready to leave anyways. By the time they, they have to come over, they have to check your ID, they take your ID, they come back with tax forms in hand. <laughs> Don't worry. They immediately take out federal. They only hand me 6000 and some change. Yeah. Um, still awesome. But still awesome. And then they, um, at that point, I was telling Scott, I was like, listen, we have to we have to leave, but we have to be discreet about it because all these people now know mm-hmm. that I have $6,000 in cash yeah. in my purse. Um, and the security said they'd walk us out, but- we like did a couple circles. Didn't look like anybody was following us. Mm-hmm. They probably have really good security cameras. I imagine they do. I yes. mean, it's it's probably the safest place to be. I still would have probably them. had security walk me out. Yeah, but um, you don't want to get mugged. You don't, especially with six thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. So then we left, but we did leave that night. We st- I mean, we still go back to Derby City. I don't play that game anymore. 
Um, you've already, you've, you've, you, there's I've, no way it could happen I don't again, think, right? Well, first of all, I don't think I could outdo myself. And second of all, <laughs> I, I, I realized that I should not be betting $6 a hand <laughs> unless I just feel crazy. And I, I don't do that too much often. That's hilarious. Um, I think it, our face, they actually took the photo and then um, we took, a, we had them take a photo. So I have it on my phone and then they have actually blown it up and it is now a poster on the inside of their facility. Oh my God, I have to go By the now. restaurant. There's a picture of me and Scott in front of the machine. Is that like the biggest win they've had it, to it, date? It's one of them. Wow. It's one of, most of them are just a couple thousand. What an amazing experience. So yeah, like. So what did you do? What did you blow that money on? Like that bachelorette party. Oh, sweet. Most I, of I it. I bet you had a great that, bachelorette party. Yeah, we went to party. New Orleans. Um, and like I had two bridesmaids and a maid of honor and they were more than willing to do their sharing up, but I just won. Yeah. How much fun know. did you have on your bachelorette party? Was it a blast? Yeah. Yeah. I love New Orleans. You ever been there? You'd love it if you haven't. I have been there, but I was a young man. Uh, see, I think, I feel like you, I would like it, to go you, back. You, you had to be like of drinking age and mm-hmm. or just like cult, like where you want to see things culturally slash like. I'll always be that way. I think no yeah. matter how old I am. So. I think I would love it. Like I would love to go back, and that was the third. This this was the second time I'd been. I'd like to go back at least a third time. Tom and Gamer <clears throat> McAnally like New Orleans. Oh, it's too. true. It's true because when I went to my bachelorette party, I looked around for handmade soap. Yeah, and I never could find whoever they go to to get their handmade soap. But I did get pralines, which I love, and we had beignets at. I love a beignet. Uh, Cafe du Monde, which oh, is yeah, like you the went there. historical yeah. one. And I think I actually. Might have went to it. No, so, no, never mind. No, I've never been to. We went to the New Museum Orleans. of Death. Oh wow! I bought a shirt. That's cool. So, what is that like? What's in there? So, the Museum of Death. You ever been to Gatlinburg? Yes. It's kind of like going through one of those little museums, okay. but more like independently ran. So it's and, not big. It's like a house. Okay. Basically, but they have. Um, I think it was like fifteen dollars, and it was mm-hmm. self-led. Okay. And they had that's these, cooler. They, yeah, they take your time. Oh yeah, you could take your time. Um, they had. Most things are just attached to the walls, but they—I mean—they had like a, a gel suit from Marilyn Manson. Mm. They had a lot of letters, oh. like letters that serial killers have wrote to people, and I guess they donate them. So, like, um, John Wayne Gacy, mm-hmm. the clown one. Mm-hmm. They have—they have, and then they have a lot of um, artwork mm. from the serial killers. Yeah, dude, they, they, there's this is so many things that I love all combined into one thing, right. Lindsay, because I love museums. Yeah. I, and I, I'm really. I think a lot of people right now are just really interested in serial killers oh, and yeah. just that that whole idea. And like, it's such an old city. Yeah, they have a lot of ghost tours at night. I would love that. Which, well, and the best part is, I mean, besides ghost, um, is that these tour guides tell you a lot of the historical reasoning behind voodoo, how vampires mm. became a belief in there. You can tour the cemeteries. Um, Did you do you like the movie, uh, that that vampire movie with? Tom Cruise no, and Brad Pitt. I don't Pitt. think I've ever seen it. Um, Interview with an Interview Vampire. Interview with a Vampire. I really like Anne Rice wrote the book. I enjoy Anne Rice. Yeah. Um, I never read the series of books and I've only seen parts of the movies. Something about Tom Cruise as a vampire. I don't, mm. I can't get behind that. I do. I, I enjoy an old city. I went to Savannah, Georgia and I really enjoyed Savannah. It was beautiful. There was Spanish moss in the trees. There was all kinds of like wrought iron all downtown every few blocks is like this square that's like a beautiful park it was beautiful i i love the south and like the antebellum south and then the oh. creole culture is really interesting right. too that's which is a big got thing that. In, yeah the new orleans crew yeah we went to we did go to muscle shores okay mm. when me and scott first met it was i thought it was weird i don't know he invited me on a family vacation we had only been dating for like two months nice but i went because why not 
Heck yeah. I went to Muscle Shores, Alabama. I got to see Helen Keller's childhood home. Wow. Is there. So that was like our historical thing that we did. I love that. Um, But yeah, New Orleans and the the Krill and um, Voodoo and all that stuff. Sarah and I are thinking about going to Asheville, North Carolina soon because we want to go to the Biltmore. The Biltmore is like this historic mansion that was owned by... uh, the Vanderbilts, the Van- Vanderbilt family was built by the Vanderbilt family. And, you know, they were like fucking trillionaires. Right. Not really. Right. Like, but like, like comparatively. Yes. Like if for inflation. someone to be as rich, to for someone to control as much as the wealth that that they controlled, like as much percentage of the wealth that they controlled at that time now, they would have to be trillionaires. And they built basically like palaces. Like they built like straight up palaces and they still exist and now that was families charge money for normal people to go inside and see them <laughs> uh, right and now but i want to go see it so bad because i love like old architecture like that and doing like tours of old houses and stuff like that i'm into that sarah and i did a lot of that on our honeymoon it's fun that would be fun have you been to new york city um yes but i was in like seventh grade you need to hit up elena and, and be like hey can we come hang out with y'all in new york city i need to you right. go to the met because the Met is fucking beautiful. I'd like to go. I think it's beautiful. I think you should check that out. Well, I hope you have an awesome fucking time on your honeymoon. Thank you. I appreciate you doing this for me. It seems like this is a natural time to wrap this up. Okay. I really appreciate you doing this with me. This was super fun. fun. I think I'm excited about creating another episode for the, the Starbucks peoples. Because I feel like they've been a little bit neglected. Yeah. They got Brian right away. Right. And then they got Caitlin Stratton. So there's definitely a connection there. Yeah, she was there for a little bit. Yeah, but I, but she was also kind of a connection to like my high school friends, and I've been focusing on that a little bit. So right. you know, I'm trying to keep it spicy over here, just friends. I'm trying yeah. to keep the diversity up. Um. So yeah, so I'll see what I can do. Keep that going. Well, I appreciate you being on. Thank you. Coming out, staying out late. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, it was a blast. I feel like I'm like your top 30 friends now. For sure. I have to count how many podcasts you've done and see where the, I rank. There are 24, but that's oh. not 24 people. Right. Because oh. they're two part. Lots of, most of them are two parters. So I'd say you're in the, you're definitely in the top 15. Oh yeah. So I'm just saying I was here. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Let's get out of here. I'll get you home to your husband. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, that's it. That's the conversation. Lindsay was an amazing guest. I can't wait to hear y'all's feedback about how you feel about getting the whole episode all in one piece. Remember, there's always the Facebook page and the Instagram page where I love hearing feedback. Let me know what you think. Let me know what I could do better. Let me know what I could change that would improve your listening experience. Maybe you love what you're hearing, but you have an idea about something we could change or add that might get others listening. I'm all ears. If you do enjoy listening, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts. I've got five patrons so far. They're awesome. Working on saving up to buy a new laptop so I can upgrade the quality of the video production to a level where I'm not embarrassed to put it out. And for everybody else, there's also the Facebook page and the Instagram page. Just Google Just Friends Podcast Facebook or Just Friends Podcast Instagram and you can find those real easy. Follow, subscribe, share the show. Let everybody know what's going on over here at Just Friends. You can... Share your favorite episodes from your preferred podcast listening app. Share it with everybody. 
Guys, I hope you're having a great week. I hope you're staying positive. I hope you're taking care of yourselves, your mental health, and your physical health. I'd like to encourage you to reach out to one another, make phone calls, do Zoom conferences, lift each other up. I can't wait to see you guys in person. But until then, I look forward to seeing you next week. Back here at Just Friends. Bye.